What were you in the war? A big war you failed to win. You were a sergeant, yeah? Sergeant Malcolm Reynolds. Balls and bayonets brigade. Big, tough veteran. Now you got yourself a ship and you're a captain. Only I think you're still a sergeant, see? Still a soldier. Man of honor in a den of thieves. Well, this is my goddamn den. And I don't like the way you look down on me. I'm above you. Better than. Businessman, see? Roots in the community. You're just a scavenger. Maybe I'm not a fancy gentleman like you with your very fine hat. But I do business. We're here for business. All right, everyone. Welcome back to uh, episode fifty-eight of Gundam at MAHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and uh, joining me as always is uh, Chris. Chris, say hello. Hi. And also with us uh, for, for since this one episode sabbatical was uh, Solbro. How you doing today, Solbro? Street Fighter. <laughs> How, how was your uh, how 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 was your vacation and stuff? Was it really nice and everything? Street Fighter. Hmm. What did you do during your vacation? <laughs> Street Fighter. <laughs> okay. Well, it's good to have you back. But uh, before we begin, we'll do some uh, listener-submitted news articles. And, of course, I always want to thank all of the folks out there that uh, take the time to submit articles. And thank you. And uh, always remember, um, if I don't get to yours, that doesn't mean that there's uh, not important and I don't appreciate it. It's just that we just try to keep things kind of going. Instead of doing like a six-hour podcast, we like to keep it down to a few hours. So... Uh, but thank you for that, and uh, you know, keep those coming. Uh, but the first one I have here is very, uh, very kind of interesting, and this is from Jabman025, and this is off the Nikon Blogspot. And uh, iPhones and iPods, you've ever, you guys ever heard about those, Chris? I don't know what those are. Soul Bro? You ever? <laughs> Street Fighter! <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there is now an official app. Uh, and unfortunately, it looks, looks like it's going to be only for Japan because everything is Japanese, but for the iPhone and iPad Touch uh, for uh, the double O movie Awakening of the Trailblazer. So it's going to be released. Uh, this app's going to be released on September 18th, and it's going to have all kinds of cool little things that you would have, uh, you know, for the anticipation of the double uh, O movie. And uh, always remember, folks, that. Uh, there is nothing wrong with Apple products. It's just you're too stupid to operate them. So just remember that. They, they would never put out a product that would be of, of shoddy workmanship or low quality. You're just too dumb. You're not smart enough like Steve Jobs to know how to work these things. So. Oh, street fighter. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like to thank Mr. Uh, Jabman025 for his submission. Uh, the next article I have here is this is uh, seems it looked like a new post or eat. A net dude or EA net dude. Um, I'm sure one of those pronunciations is correct. But uh, this also comes from the Nikong uh, blog spot. And uh, 
There's going to be um, a partial screening in Japan in August of uh, Gundam Unicorn. You remember Gundam Unicorn, uh, Chris? Uh, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. But uh, what, they, what, what does Silver have to say about Unicorn? Uh, street Fighter. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it was announced on uh, uh, the Gundam Unicorn's official site. Uh, that there's going to be a special event organized in August, part of the Gun the Gundam UC Episode Two, the and it's the Red Comet will be uh, screened, and the special event is called Portrait of the Red Char to Frontal. Hmm, that's an odd name, Char to Frontal. It should be like uh, should be like normal hair to mullet. It'll be held from August 13th to the 15th at the Tokyo Dome City Theater G Rosso. What is that? The Gundam Rosso, Rocio, and it's gonna be. A, there's gonna be a special guest at the event. It's gonna be um, Mr. Star himself, Shinichi Ikeda, uh, you know, who voiced Shar Asimov in the original Gundam series, and now is doing Full Frontal in the uh, upcoming uh, Gundam Unicorn episode two, uh, whenever that comes out. I know sometime in the fall, probably later. But uh, all those people that, and there's gonna be some other um, guests there too. There's gonna be uh, the voice actor for Banneker or Boniker. Um, he's also going to be a, a, a guest during this uh, festival being held too. So just want to let anybody know that's going to be fortunate enough to be in Japan during that time. Go check it out. I'm sure it'll be pretty cool to see. So uh, I'd like to thank Mr. E-Net Dude or E-A Dude, E-A Net Dude for his submission there. Lastly, I uh, got a article here from uh, Submitter Wielder, and this comes from the Anime uh, News Network. And for all of the Super Robot Wars uh, anime fans, uh, there's more Super Robot Wars animes coming up in the future. And uh, this is, you know, of course, based off of or kind of inspired by the role-playing games, um, the Super Robot War games that have been around for a while. And uh, the most recent game had a uh, was called Super Robot Wars OG Saga Masakin the Lord of Elemento. Street it, Fighter? <laughs> no, it's not Street Fighter. For, uh, this is this is. Th- there are games outside of Street Fighter Soul Bro. I think you've actually played these before. Super like like King of Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> Street Fighter. Oh God! Now he's getting. We know you like Street Fighter, but come on, there are other games. Sometimes. This is going to be like dealing with like dealing with that troll. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, he went to it's Evo. like a like a, a one track mind, just a broken record. Well, he went to Evo, so maybe he got um maybe he got mind mind effed at Evo. I, I think what happened is that he he saw Daigo there, and his brain just melted. Yeah, he probably man crush went in full effect there, and he's just like, oh, Street Fighter. He just popped the blood vessel in his brain and. <laughs> Just stuck saying Street Fighter, right, Solbro? Street Fighter. <laughs> so there, there, there's definitely going to be some new animes in the planning, and I would imagine this time they're not going to be overpriced um, du- uh, sub-only offerings uh, to the U.S. like they were in the last uh, the last couple of uh, Super Robot Wars animes. So maybe that that'll be good for some some of our fans there. They won't have to spend as much to get less. But um, that's pretty much it for the news. And uh, like I said, I'd like to thank everybody for their submissions. And if you have any news articles, it doesn't really matter what they are. It could be serious. It could be tongue-in-cheek, whatever. Um, you know pretty much what we talk about here. So just uh, look for the Neos Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the Gundam section at the Mecha Talk Forum. So 
Um, I'm going to go over now to Chris, and he's got the mailbag. And um, go ahead, Chris, with the the first question from the old ye old mailbag. All right, this first one comes from Swordbits, who says, "Of all the themes and mythos in the Gundam franchise, none have been as prevalent as the theme of humans trying to reach out to each other and come to an understanding, thus rendering the end of conflict as we know it." This has gone about in a number of ways over the years. Intense telepathic connections between new types, and as of recently, the Double O Riser's Transam burst acting as a catalyst for the characters to move past their petty differences and grudges. But while I'm on a blog, oh no, a blog, <laughs> someone was ranting on a blog? It must be true then, if it's on a blog. <laughs> about how much of an artificial plot device it is, a deus ex machina, to make certain plot points happen, implying it to... Tamino says you're in love now, etc., etc. I was wondering what you folks at Gundam thought of this particular theme in the franchise we have come to know and love over the past three decades. Thank you very much in advance. Um, pretty complicated question, so I'm going to kick it right to Sobro first. What are your comments about uh, this question about this central theme of Gundam, of people reaching an understanding and, and putting aside their conflicts? Ken. Masters. Great, thank you very much. Anything else? Street Fighter. <laughs> obviously, he played a huge role in, in attaining world peace. He's a red rival. Street Fighter. <laughs> Paul, what do you think? I know that we talked about the whole kind of Deus Machina type thing with Double O before. We addressed that during our, our reviews. And Indeed. I don't necessarily believe that uh, for, you know, what this... It's just a plot device in... Um, uh, in, in double O and, and, and nor do I really think of too much of the later thoughts of the new type ability as a plot device, you know, trying to understand each other. Um, I think the plot device of all new types are great pilots that that's more of a plot device to me than anything else. But it is, isn't really all stories like this or aren't there always some type of little plot devices to explain something that might just be too hard to explain or there's just really no explanation for it in the end so um i mean i guess you could kind of look at that but then again i i look back and i'm like man are you maybe looking at this a little too 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 hard and and, and too much and um you know realizing that there are some other themes within these gundam shows just outside of oh hey we can all understand each other now let's not do war because I think that that's maybe one thing that's brought out about it, but we also see there's you know there's there's other things dealing with war and conflict and political maneuvering and uh, just a lot of times too the relationships of people and how that pushes people to the edge to do things that maybe they never thought they would would do or were capable of doing before. So for me, the thing is. Uh... You know, I, I don't really buy the Deus Ex Machina thing, and we've talked about it before. Yeah. But also, um, you know, if you really that that's a term that gets thrown about and um, used a lot, and a lot of people. It's like when people use have used the. I'm sorry to interrupt, but the when people say like, "Oh, this was an epic show or an epic movie," it's just like it, sometimes I think they just it, it's just like it's the it's the it thing to say. And it's not just that it's a good thing to say, but in specifically with this term, that it's being used in the wrong way. Like, yeah. you know, I see a lot on the internet, um, you know, anytime there's a character that somebody doesn't like, they just instantly call that character a Mary Sue or a Gary Stew. Yeah. Which is not what those terms mean. Right. And people just just casually throw out, oh, Deus Ex Machina, oh, blah, 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 blah. That's not what it is. I mean... Uh, a deus ex machina, you know, the, the god in the machine is the old Greek uh, drama cliche of 
there is no solution to the problem until, um, you know, the God just magically comes down and fixes things and allows for an ending. That's, that's, that's what the term means. Yeah. But within the universes of these stories, you know, we're aware that these weird things are happening. We know that new types exist in the UC world. We know that they can do weird things, you know, so it's not like it's something that comes completely out of left field. You know, we see in Double O all of these really weird things that GN particles do, and we see over the course of time what starts to happen to Setsuna in Season 2. You know, if you wanted to, you could reduce pretty much anything down to cliché. You know, if we're talking about these things of human evolution, I could say, you know, well, gee, isn't it convenient that in X-Men every single character is born with some ability that's just really convenient in helping them to fight and beat up people. Yeah, and, and it's, or, it's conducive to have them as a team where all these powers kind of interlock and, you know, kind of complement each other when they're fighting some big baddie. So. Yeah, or isn't it convenient that, you know, Peter Parker got bit by a radioactive spider that gave him all of these advanced abilities and let him become a superhero rather than turning him into just some spider monster? Street yeah. fighter. <laughs> that too. That's a very good point. Never thought of that either. Street fighter? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Street Fighter. <laughs> so man, he's definitely he's definitely fried from that trip to Evo. I would think so. But yeah, I mean, you could you could just say this about almost anything and just reduce it down to this, and it doesn't work. I mean, there's a certain suspension of disbelief in in these worlds in Gundam where you have these strange phenomenon, whether it's innovators or new types. You know, that's something that exists like in the physics of those universes. Yeah, it doesn't come out of nowhere. And you have to say too, we've seen, especially if you're going to talk with the Tamino new type. Um, shows is that okay maybe those characters were able to understand each other at the end of it but it didn't mean that everybody was able to because we usually saw the next show or the next movie that there was everybody was at a crossroads again and a lot yeah, of times we've talked about this before you, you know the 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 hopeful ending of msg that everyone's going to understand each other and evolve never happened everyone yeah. just kept fighting and killing each other for decades and decades and you know that the broader message of UC kind of is the counter to that argument yeah. of it being uh, just a cheap plot device because even though some people were able to understand each other and solve those and stop those conflicts, it was rather just a ceasefire rather than any real understanding. There is no real peace in um, the UC series. Yeah. There's no lasting peace. There's and just periods where they're not fighting. And even in Double O, you know, with at the end sets into becoming a real innovator um, we see at the end of Double O things aren't resolved you know the world oh, yeah. is in a perfect situation you know we've got this movie that's coming out who knows what's going to happen there and maybe even then you know the world won't just be a happy magical place where everyone understands each other yeah and, and we know something's going to get awoken in that movie hence the name yeah so <laughs> now he's become Asian <laughs> so our next question comes from our pal Peter aka Destiny Gundam a.k.a. Pedo Bear North. And I think you, Paul, will not be surprised at all about the topic of this question. Oh, boy. What is this? Here's Peter's question. Moe has become a hot topic in recent years. Mm. Why do you think this is? Cute, big-eyed anime characters date back to Tezuka, and everyone from Miyazaki to Obari uses them. So why do you think people have a problem with it now? Why is it now the cancer-killing anime when it has been an integral part of anime since its conception? Will people not be satisfied until anime is populated by ugly characters? Does the experience of watching epic space battles between giant robots somehow diminish in quality if there are cute boys slash girls in the cockpit? 
Hmm. Well, I don't know about you, but personally, I want all of my shows to be filled with all of the ugly, ugly men from GoGo13. <laughs> all, you know, giant, broad-shouldered, ugly men with very severe expressions. Oh, that and, and Street Fighter. <laughs> well, Sobro wants them all to look like Street Fighter characters. And um, I, I, uh, then I guess they all have to be uh, Sagat. Yeah. <laughs> Or what about, uh, I, I could deal with, uh, I'd actually like all my characters to be um, uh, Cheerico clones. That would be neat. Yeah. But seriously, uh, about the point of Peter's question, your comments. Yeah, I think, yes, those characters have always been in anime, but it seems like lately a lot of these shows are just basing it on, th- that's just the central part of what these shows are. It's like, you know, it doesn't bother me if there's cutesy characters in there, but if it's got a strong story in that. And I think that's maybe where where people are have maybe that's where the backlash is coming from because let's be honest some of these quote-unquote moe uh shows a lot of them are not very um you know not very story driven or, or very good and all they really have is just the cutesy kind of cliche type of thing too and that might be the other thing i think this stuff has been around so long and you got these you know you just have these characters that are becoming just parodies of themselves and um you know, just like anything, when something gets really popular and, and, you know, something that was maybe years ago kind of in the background and now it's all super mainstream and popular, there's always backlash towards it, too. And, um, you know, and also anime fans are irrational, so that might be the other thing. Well, I think that there's two things at work here. One of them is that, you know, Moe is a thing in Japan that is ridiculously yeah. popular now, and it's it's something that sells. I mean, just look at all these shows that you have out there. You have... Um, you know, Haruhi, Lucky Star, K-On, Angel Beats. Uh, there's just Moe show after Moe show after Moe show. Yeah. It is the craze. And, you know, there are some of those shows that are good. I enjoy Haruhi. I like what I watch, a little bit of Lucky Star. But some of these shows out there, they're just trying to cash in on the Moe thing. And unfortunately, there's more than enough, um, you know, blind sheep otaku in Japan who will waste their money on this crap, as evidenced by the record sales numbers of um, the Endless 8 DVDs from Haruhi. Are you familiar with this situation? I've heard about it, but I, I, I don't know too much, but explain for some of the for listeners that probably haven't not don't follow this. Okay, in Season 2 of Haruhi, there was an arc called Endless 8. Right. And there was an episode that was sort of a time loop mm-hmm. that the main character had to figure out. Right, I know about that. But by yeah. the end of the episode, he hadn't figured it out. Mm-hmm. So the exact same episode ran for eight weeks in a row with very slight differences in it and, you know, things people were wearing and, you know, very minor details. But it was eight weeks straight of um, that same episode. Yeah. Out of a series that, you know, that second season was like 13, 14 episodes. Some people were pissed because a huge chunk of the season was devoted to, you know... Right. This thing. It's like, imagine if uh, you're watching Groundhog Day and Groundhog Day was eight hours long instead of, say, two. Yeah. You'd go crazy. Yeah, I like Groundhog Day, but not that much. No. Yeah, especially since um, the source material it adapted from was not that long. Right. And there was all this other stuff from the novels that could have been adapted, but wasn't because they wasted it making the same episode eight times over. Yeah. Yet, despite all of the anger that there was when those episodes aired in Japan, um, they put it on DVD, two episodes per disc, so there basically there were four DVDs that were nothing but Endless 8. With with slight changes. Like, you with know, instead changes. of a red shirt, he's now got a blue shirt. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, yeah. I avoided watching it because I'm 
not a moron. Yeah, it just sounds stupid. I've heard about that, but I, I didn't realize I didn't realize it was eight weeks long. I, I had heard they kept repeating it with changes, but I didn't realize it was for eight weeks. That's wow. why they call it Endless Eight. Oh. Yet those those uh, DVDs they sold in record numbers in Japan, and mind you, that's at Japanese prices of like sixty, seventy, eighty dollars for two episodes that literally are the same things times four. <laughs> Street Fighter. Yeah, that too. <laughs> So that's that's one problem that you know moe is something that appeals um, to just some rabbit otaku who just have to buy everything. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a niche. But there are legitimate shows out there that just use that style. But you know they all kind of just get clumped in together in that same category. The other problem is over here in the West, which is um, you know anime fans they're a whole they're just an uptight elitist bunch. Mm-hmm. And um, you know they all I've noticed that a lot of anime fans in the West they like to. They sort of like to proclaim their superiority by identifying with certain series. Yeah. And somehow that identifies what kind of people they are. So they're like, oh, this Moe is just a bunch of garbage. You know, I watch you know, serious anime for adults. And they get into all these, these arguments and, you know, you see it all over the place. Uh, and what Peter had here, it's written in quotes, the cancer-killing anime. I see that all the time. And whenever I see the cancer-killing anime, it's someone talking about Moe. Yeah. So it's just more fodder for fanboy wars of, you know, you're garbage because you like this series and you're stupid for watching it. And, you know, I watch these things that are better than that. Yeah, it so. all come it all comes down to the thing of, you know, we all have freedom of choice when it comes to what we're watching and if you don't like Moe, then you don't have to watch it, but you know, And at the don't. end of the day, it's 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 a fad yeah. that's going to that's big right now and it'll be gone in a few years and then something else will be big and then everyone will be complaining about how that is killing anime. I mean, we've gone through cycles of yeah. super robots, real robots, magical girls, mm-hmm. uh, fighting tournament anime, um, vampires, vampires, weird mystical religious things. I yep. mean, it's just there's cycles all the time, but there's always some you know idiot on a soapbox proclaiming that this current cycle is the end of everything because this stuff is so bad it's going to destroy everything yeah and i mean how many times have we seen like some innovative show whatever genre it comes out and it spawns like a bunch of not so good clones and you know that's what we have i mean i've seen i've seen a good portion of harhi yeah it i i liked it but i mean i it but unfortunately it spawned a lot of clones and you know a lot of the studios and are trying to cash in on this and you know it, it just you know it's, we, we see it all the time even in american television we see stuff like that i mean yeah every so. time like for like uh, for example when lost became a big hit every episode the next every every network the next season after that had you know a weird contemporary mm-hmm. supernatural mysterious show yeah and most of them failed yeah exactly and the only one of those like post lost shows that have been successful, you know, a handful like Fringe and Heroes, which even yeah. that imploded eventually, but that always happens. You yeah. know, or Hollywood, um, suddenly someone will start making a movie out of something and then someone else makes a movie out of the same thing, like, you know, when you had um, Deep Impact and Armageddon come out at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Or you had, um, a little bit before that, you had Dante's Peak and Volcano come out at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And you, you have it all the time happening in Hollywood. Somebody's making a movie about something. Somebody else copies that same thing. It's over and over again. I guarantee you that by 2015, people will be complaining about some entirely different thing that's horrible. 
because that'll be the fad. Yeah, exactly. And and you know um, the the good shows like Harhe and stuff, they'll still endure and they'll still be around. But yeah, like all of the other stuff just kind of fades away. And like you said, yeah, we'll we'll whatever the next hot thing is, it's going to be like, oh god, this is the worst. This is you know, and you'll have like you said, you'll have all these elitist fans being like, that's why I don't watch any of this new stuff and blah blah blah. And it's like, oh whatever. But anything else, Chris, on in the mailbag? Or I think we'll uh, keep it short today because um, there just seems to be a prevalence of, of Street Fighter around here, and uh, uh-huh. I don't know. It's it, it just kind of dragging us off topic, so I think we might as well just end it now while we're ahead. All right. Any uh, anything before we go into our first uh, topic of Firefly, the television show, and uh, then we'll be covering the uh, 2005 movie Serenity uh, after that. But uh, Chris, any anything on MHQ or anything like that that you need to you know get to get to going or just save that at the end of the show? I'm I'm pretty good for that now. So uh, I guess maybe Solbro has something to say. You have anything to say, Solbro, before we get into our first topic of Firefly? Okay. Street All right. Fighter. Well. We'll be right back uh, with their next uh, with our first segment, uh, Firefly the TV show. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. <laughs> Man walks down the street in that hat. People know he's not afraid of anything. Gundam straight. I'm tired of other anime podcasts being such a starfest. My plan was perfect. But there was one thing I overlooked. One factor I failed to calculate. He's a dumbass. I hate Narutards. Oh my god, he's wet. And I'm sick of the giant Moe monster wreaking havoc in my anime city. So what's my solution? Make a better podcast than everyone else. Well, at least I try anyway. Join me, Josh Dunham as I talk about my ideas and opinions about current Japanese music, games, and anime. You can find my weekly podcast at www.animation.blogspot.com. That's A-N-I-M-E-S-H-O-N. I review the new shows and manga coming out of Japan, as well as ye old goodies. So check me out. I'm only a Google search away at Animation. A-N-I-M-E-S-H-O-N. Walter, I love you, but sooner or later you're gonna have to face the fact you're a goddamn moron! Take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. I don't care, I'm still free, you can't take the sky from me. Take me out, to the black, tell them I ain't coming back. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ, and for the first segment of our show today, we're going to be heading back to the West, literally. Uh, we're doing another American sci-fi series, but one that's uniquely suited for Gundam, and of course I'm talking about Firefly, the series by Joss Whedon, who's best known for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, Dollhouse and um, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. So, sort of a brief background on uh, Firefly, as we do with our anime spotlights. Uh, it was a show created in 2002, and it aired on Fox, boo. Oh. <laughs> and uh, best described, it's, it's, it's a sci-fi western. It's 
probably best described if you're an anime fan as sort of a live action version of Cowboy Bebop and Outlaw Star. Yeah. But definitely leaning more towards Outlaw Star, I would say, because you yeah. have uh, the clashing Western and Chinese motifs, mm-hmm. as well as things, you know, like naked girl in a box mm-hmm. and constantly starving and needing to do all sorts of weird jobs for money. There's exactly. no beef in this. And being chased by all sorts of people because of naked girl in a box. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, basically with Firefly's story, you have, um, you know, Earth has gone to crap because it was polluted, yada yada. So humanity abandons Earth and they find this new star system that has dozens of planets and hundreds of moons in it and they start to colonize it. And uh, you have a world government that eventually forms that basically is the result of the two leftover Earth superpowers, America and China. Right. So you have this huge blending of um, American and Chinese culture. So you see Chinese culture everywhere across all of these planets, and everyone speaks English and some form of Chinese. Yep. So uh, eventually what happens is that... uh, what are called the core planets are the ones that are the most colonized and they have, you know, advanced cities with, you know, gleaming skyscrapers and, you know, these are like the nice utopias. But uh, the outer colonial planets, the border planets as they're called, um, get the short end of the stick and as described in the show, basically they get terraformed to the point that they can support human life and not much more. Mm -hmm. And settlers just dump there with hardly any supplies, and they have to eke out whatever living they can. So you have the contrast of these core worlds that are the Shining Utopias versus the border and outer planets that are just sort of um, Wild West, no-man's lands ruled by anarchy. It's like, uh, it's like uh, Star Trek versus like, um, like the, the Dollars trilogy. Sort of. Yeah. So eventually you had um, a lot of uh, outer planet settlers who didn't like being under the rule of the Alliance, and they rebelled. So there was this huge war, and unfortunately, the independents, or the uh, browncoats as they're often referred to, they lost the war. So the series actually opens at the end of that war, the the Battle of Serenity Valley, and that's where we're introduced to our main character, uh, Malcolm Reynolds, and his his number two right-hand woman, Zoe. Right. And they're fighting on the side of the independents. So the main story picks up about six years later. Uh, now the two of them are basically space pirates. <laughs> and they have the ship called the Serenity with a, with a crew of a bunch of weirdos. And um, they pick up a shifty rich boy doctor who has a naked girl in a box. Certainly does. Who turns out to be his sister. And uh, she was an uber genius who the Alliance did all sorts of weird uh, medical experiments on. And her brother, who was a very well-to-do doctor in one of the core planets, he basically wasted his fortune and made himself a fugitive so that he could kidnap her and take her to freedom. Exactly. So that's where our pilot, the actual pilot for the series, uh, kicks off with uh, him and his uh, sister joining the crew of the Serenity and joining the likes of a bunch of weirdos like a uh, very trigger-happy mercenary who will betray you at any time if the money's right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a hot, sexually frustrated female chief engineer, mm-hmm. a shady, mysterious preacher who has a very interesting past, right? Uh, 
a very skilled pilot who likes to play with dinosaurs and is married to um, Zoe. Uh-huh. And, oh, a uh, high-priced call girl who um, is part of a sort of guild of hookers that is, you know, very highly respected. Who mm. and, and who am I missing? Uh, the captain. Well, I already mentioned him. Um, the no, that, you pretty much covered them all. Yeah, that's it. You got them. Okay. So, uh, with this basic setup... The series kind of follows a continuing storyline of, um, you know, them doing all these jobs to try to get ahead, uh, trying to avoid the Alliance and hide this girl River whenever they show up because they don't want the Alliance to get onto them that they have, you know, the naked girl in a box. Right. (laughs) So, unfortunately, uh, Firefly was canceled, but we'll get to that later. So, given that this show only lasted 14 episodes, I think we can take... A quick look, very briefly, um, at each episode and share any comments if we have them, or if not, just move on. All right. So, for you guys, any comments about the pilot, Serenity? What did you think of it? Other than just really kind of introducing you to the world and, you know, kind of setting up the stage of, um, you know, you can see that they're using that thing of there's going to be that ongoing storyline with River and her brother and stuff, but yet you you definitely get, it doesn't surprise you the next couple episodes that some of them are self-contained episodes. And there's just, you know, it it, it just had that bebop outlaw star feel to it. And outside of just the aesthetics, but kind of the storytelling and, you know, just the cast of, you know, people you would never think would be put together in the same place <laughs> and how they would interact. So, but, you know, it was the, the pilot was what about an hour and a half long, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, it was two. Ep- it was basically a double-length episode. So, I mean, um, other than the fact, really, just kind of immersing you into the world, um, you know, there's not much else I can say on that episode. You know, Adam? it's just good starter. Cool. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Um, when when I first watched the show when it first premiered back in uh, 2002, yeah, the first things that came to mind is like, man, this is like a live-action version of Outlaw Star. I actually sat and watched it with one of my friends, um, Shoji Romero. I was at his house when it was on, and we're watching it. It's like, man, I'm surprised don't you me. watched it when it first came out. Yeah, was, I was. I was I was, a good oh, show. I was hooked. The, oh, you're funny. Is that is that <laughs> is that before you deviated to the thing? It's like this is a good show, Silver. No, I'm not gonna watch. Like it. I done told you, when the show came on on Fox, you know that channel that loves to screw with its shows. Um, you know it was on at a certain time and date, and we could catch up with it. It was a day I was off, and watching the show, you know, the first thing we were reminded of was Outlaw Star with the whole Chinese English motif uh, in a space western situation. And you know, there's all sorts of character types in the show that were kind of familiar to me, and like um, like Mal kind of reminded me not so much of Gene Starwin, but you know, he's the captain of the ship. Kind of reminds me of a cross between um, actually, you know, Bright Noah and um, Shara. You know, and, fought, and, and when were they in Outlaw Star? They weren't in Outlaw Bob? Star, but you know they're also they're also <laughs> space related shows. And when did Mal ever wear a uh, a horned mask? He never did wear a horned mask, but you know he's kind of got that. Um, did he slap anybody? <laughs> No, he just put what's his. I, I he don't just, recall seeing him really wear red that often. No, right, his man? he was uh, he was more of uh, yeah that more Battlestar Galactica thing because he wanted to uh, airlock um, yeah uh, Jane in that one well, episode. Bright wasn't afraid to airlock <laughs> fools too. You know he'd always threaten it. He was more bright slap though. Yeah, true. But um, I didn't see him bright slap anybody. Or eating was... hamburgers. I never saw Mal eating hamburgers. Oh well, well that the, I'm sure and, we just saw I, that. I never saw him um in a robot that goes three times faster than all of the others. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just the fact that he was a kind of battle scarred at the same time, but also was a or looking for a his captain. sister, his yeah. hot sister that was on the Alliance. Now they they put a little bit of in, um, in Simon, of course, but um, no. But anyway, just, there were elements bro. to him. But you know, it, it seemed to me like live action anime, and I fell in love with the show like right off the bat. Of course, you know, uh, you know, watching that and first then you episode, didn't finish it for many years. Yeah, for many years. <laughs> um, looking back and watching it again on Netflix, it's cool to see people that I already I know better now that I didn't know before. Like um, this show has some people that I also saw in 24 and Battlestar Galactica like uh, what's his name uh, Mark Shepard who's uh, famous from Battlestar Badger. yeah exactly he played Badger in this show but we know him best from Battlestar as um, as Roland Lampkin, Lampkin. Oh, is that the, I knew I recognized him. Oh, that hell guy. yeah. He was also in 24 yeah. as a terrorist in, I think, season 4 or 5. So, you know, a lot, yep. of, a lot of people were used to him in that, too. And Charles Logan from 24 shows up eventually. Hell yeah, in a later episode. And you got Christina you got Christina Hendricks. We'll get to her, I'm sure. Oh, um, oh we'll de- uh, we'll, believe me. We'll, <laughs> uh, we'll be talking quite a bit about Woo! her. That's a few episodes down. Hell so. yeah. But um, no, that first episode is an excellent starter. It establishes the universe, the characters very well, shows how they all get together, and Get, get the, gets in this situation and there's a lot of unexpected things that happen in the first episode but it's very entertaining and um, got me hooked on the show initially which so, is um, great except for the fact that that's not the first episode they aired oh really so wow I did not see well, in, in in fact um, it's the first episode I saw so I, uh, that, it's the last episode they aired what Serenity <laughs> yes oh. Serenity was the last episode they aired of Firefly because Fox when they saw Serenity they, they didn't like it oh. they didn't like that pilot they thought it was too slow yeah uh, they said that Matt was too dour and that wow. it was like introducing too it was explaining too many things <laughs> so they gave Joss Whedon a weekend deadline to come up with a new pilot oh my god that's when he wrote the second episode the train, train job. job oh my god as a second pilot however he wrote it in a way that it doesn't repeat any of the information that um is covered in serenity but it kind of eases you into the story and mentioning all of these things to help set things up that's wow, why, that's but why it it's, seemed like it's it was done a in a way that yeah. when you watch Serenity and the train job back to back, you don't notice that they're technically two pilots. Wow, I, I, yeah, you, you don't, you don't at all. But it's so first... it's Joss Whedon because he does mm-hmm. stuff like um, you know he throws in that scene at the very end of the train job of the dude with the blue gloves, yeah, uh, talking about how they're looking for River. So you're like, oh, there's something mysterious about this weird girl. <laughs> that's supposed to emphasize all of that stuff he introduced in the pilot about how she's weird because of all these experiments, right? Um, you know, emphasizing all these things like how they need to do this job because they need money or how that Mal doesn't like the Alliance and all these sorts of things. Yeah. So with this episode, it's sort of a classic heist episode in a sci-fi western uh, setting where you have the crew getting hired by an insane crime boss. I mean, Hell literally, because yeah. he likes to torture people who uh, don't fulfill their word to him. And they're tasked with robbing a maglev train on some planets. So uh, Mal and Zoe, they go to do the job, and it actually works perfectly until they discover that what they stole is medical supplies for a town where people are dying and the supplies are badly needed. Insert morality play. Yeah. (laughs) So they decide to go back on the job and refund their payment and give um, the goods back to the people. Right. Unfortunately, the insane crime boss, uh, I think his name was Niska, he doesn't take that so well, which is something that comes back to haunt Mal much later on. So any comments on uh, this episode with the train based? 
I, I, I love this episode. It's, it's an episode that um, they have a lot of fun with the characters, and you get to see what they're what they're like under um, under the their natural element, which is of course um, doing crime, as they love to talk about. Um, yep. you, you, get, you get to see the dynamic of the crew, and one of my favorite parts in the whole series is at the end, <laughs> where Mal is telling him, you know, telling um, Niska's right hand man, is like, "Look, um, here's your here's your boss's money back, and look, we don't want any beef with your boss. We just couldn't come through with this job because of you know we we discovered the." the you know the details of what was going on we did think it was right and that 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 bodyguard goes on to say that um he says that you know i will hunt you you know until until like you know i'll hunt you endlessly until i until my face is the last thing you see and you know mal just thinks about it for a second and then kicks him off the um the plank or the the the, the ramp of the serenity as it's flying and his body goes into the no, um, it wasn't flying they were on oh, the ground oh they're on the ground but the engines just were going kicks him into the end <laughs> So the guy gets like instantly chopped up to bits. Woo! Then they haul in like the next lunky. <laughs> He's like, "Now listen here." And the guy's like, "Okay, no, no, no. I understand. Couldn't do the job. I'm right with you. Money mm-hmm. back, no hard feelings. A okay." That is a Whedon-esque situation, right there. <laughs> 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 oh man but yeah that's that's one of my favorite moments in the series and it was in this episode but um neo what were your thoughts uh it's just the <clears throat> it's the old uh typical criminals with the heart of gold there you go type of episode because it's like you know they're they're looking for the big payoff and and you know like like chris stated it finally worked for once but it's like <laughs> oh and then then they end up at one of the train stations and they see like all these sick people and they're all like dying from this like mysterious illness and it's like oh why is that it's well we needed this it got stolen off the train and they're just like oh okay so but no a pretty good episode uh, especially to follow up uh, uh the the original pilot so my feeling was that uh since it didn't have to do any of the exposition that the pilot did to set up this whole world as Solbro said, you get to see them in their element doing their thing now that all of the origin stories have been told and you know why this crew has come together. So now they're just in their element and that's yeah. what really made it stand out. And it works perfectly as a second episode, but also as a second pilot, yeah. given the restrictions that Joss Whedon had to work with. Yeah. So we move on to uh, Bushwhacked, and it's an episode that focuses on the Reavers. We're mentioned in the pilot, and we'll definitely talk about more later on, mm-hmm. in Serenity, who basically are a band of crazy space cannibals. Ooh. And they fly around in junked-up ships covered with dead bodies, and these are crazy people who mutilate themselves, and they, you know, uh, they will rape you to death and eat you. Not necessarily in that order. Jeez. And uh, they just go around destroying everything. And they're very distinctive because their ships are all beaten up and, you know, they're they're running without like reactor containment and you know they their ships are basically like um about to blow up at any second about to blow up but they're you know their their ships are like desecration you know like i said they're covered with corpses and they're all like beaten up and they're just like hideous looking and you know it when you see it yeah and what's funny about this is the the you know the the alliance and all that they all act like this is just like some story like these things don't yeah really it's all exist. just a fairy tale a fairy tale in the outer worlds yeah so in this episode they find a ship that was attacked by reavers and had one survivor but then the alliance shows up and they cause some problems and uh then the guy who was um attacked by the reavers you find out that what they do is they leave one person alive to watch all the horrible things they do yeah and that person who's left alive just goes so insane from what they do, from what they've seen, that the only way they can compensate for it 
is to become a reaver themselves. Jeez. And, you know, they start emulating themselves and, you know, go out there and try to start killing people. So you have, you know, sort of a face-to-face encounter because while reavers were in the pilot, you just saw one of their ships. You didn't actually see them. This is the first exposure to the reavers and exploration of how crazy these people are and what sorts of things they do. Yeah, this is this is the spooky Resident Evil um, <laughs> episode because, like, you know, the, the tension and all the, you know, the horror, the horror uh, movie feel when, like, they're in this ship. And, you know, of course, being the, um, the upstanding citizens that they are, the first thing they think of is stripping it of anything that's valuable. And, yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much how they find this guy because, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're going through taking, like, um, you know, food and clothing and all, all the cargo that's in there. And then, you know, they're starting to notice that things are going bad and then... Yeah, it's very spooky, but it, it, it gives that it gives that thing because you you know, like you said, you you've heard them mention the reavers and you see a ship in the first episode, but uh it's just kind of that easy way of kind of easing them into them because you really I don't remember that really seeing them. You just see that that guy became what Yeah, you see they that were. guy, you know, he yeah. chop himself up and but uh there's a great Whedon esque scene. One of my favorites in this episode, where uh, Jane, he's in the um, the mess hall, just swiping like crap everywhere, putting it into a bag, and he gets attacked by the survivor, yeah. who you can see is this really small, wimpy guy, and he starts shooting his gun, everyone runs over, and the guy's gone, and Mal asks him what happened, and Jane says, oh, I got attacked from behind, I didn't see him, but uh, he was he was uh, big and strong. Yeah, he's like seven feet <laughs> and tall. a few minutes later, when they actually find the guy, and they see he's a little tiny wimp, Simon just very dryly says, him oh yeah jane big and strong however did you possibly survive <laughs> uh, that was some of that 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 weed and magic they're, they're exactly right so uh moving on the next episode oh. shindig oh well, silver I, needs, silver needs to speak on that i just oh, sorry. Oh, that's cool. Um, I I like this episode a lot because um, this show sometimes goes into different subgenres of uh of of a space or you know just just of a, a space based show and this one is kind of like that terror you would see in um in 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 a space thriller like uh, Alien you know without the aliens, but um you know not only do you get a chance to see the Reavers but you also get to see how oppressive the Alliance is when they get um when they get when the Serenity gets stopped by an Alliance ship and you know that's where all the fun happens when that guy goes ape ape crap. <laughs> <laughs> on different alliance members as well as um the serenity crew having to fend him off but um no it's 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 an excellent episode uh, especially for the third episode going from um episode 2 which is so you know adventure and action based to something that's a bit more you know, dark and subtle. That um, you know, it's it's a good contrast between the two, and it's a really good app. But I'm done. <laughs> okay, so uh, next episode, Shindig. All right. Um, they are doing a job. I believe it's for Badger. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be doing a yeah. They're doing a job for Badger, and um, that involves approaching this guy who um, is going to be at this very fancy high society party. So Mal and Kaylee attend this party, and they definitely are not high society people. Not by far. Given given by the nature of the work they do. So in in the course of making contact with uh, the client, Mal ends up insulting this very like rich guy who is a client of Inara's. Mm-hmm. And the guy challenges him to a duel, which Malcolm foolishly accepts. <laughs> Problem is, it's a duel with swords. And this guy <laughs> is like a champion sword fighter, mm-hmm. which basically leaves Mal like one night to learn how to fight with a sword so he can duel this guy in the morning and results in some interesting shenanigans. Any comments about this one? Oh, this is this is the one where you really see um, the first real exploration of the sexual tension between 
Mal and Inara. Mm-hmm. Like you, you've seen it in the first couple of episodes, but you yeah. know when she comes in and she's teaching him how to deal with the sword because you know she she cares for him not only as you know um, a business partner, but you know she's got ulterior motives. And um, I just like the fight at the end. Because, okay, with a heart of gold. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, pr- pretty woman, right? <laughs> um, but uh, I, I just like at the end where it's like you know he's um, this guy's a master swordsman, but yet because Mal is a veteran of a war and has actually had to kill people Mm -hmm. you know for with his life on the line it actually he's actually able to beat this guy yeah and uh, and that guy's just a a frilled dandy yeah exactly and and the uh and of course the criminals with the heart of gold (laughs) he was supposed to kill him because that's the thing but he's like no you're gonna have to live with the shame of being beaten by me So, but definitely a, a, another good episode. Um, you know, once again, like we stated with the, the previous episode, kind of going in a different direction. Yeah. With um, storytelling, and you know, it's 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 that thing where you know, in each of these episodes, there's there's always some kind of talk about River and her brother and the alliance and stuff like that. But you know, the it's just kind of in the background, and you know, they're they're still trying to take care of what they need to do and you know and this is when you you know this is when the the real bebop comparisons go on because yeah. it's like they they keep doing these jobs but they never really they never really succeed at them for whatever reason something either comes up they either mess it up or morality gets in their ethics or something like their damn conscience um so but definitely uh, another great way of continuing the uh the resident evil previous episode oh man well um i i the, the some aspects of this episode i like too um the, the you get to see a little bit more of the dynamic between mal and kaylee you know they kind of have this brother sister thing going on and they kind of treat each other on that level but um mal to the point that he's the insensitive big brother yeah. who <laughs> says the dumb things without realizing them that really piss her off but yeah. you know he, he he's he's you know even though he's hard and tough you know he has a soft spot for kaylee and he goes out and buys her that dress and of course you know kaylee goes to that party and gets ridiculed by the by the bitches that are there oh those bitches are like it's like oh there's something wrong with your dress and she's like what looks your your girl must be really bad because it looks like you bought it at a store Ooh. and before that when they're like oh you know this party just not what it was it's not what it was like last year and uh, Kaylee asks them, oh, what happened last year? And they say, they had standards. Damn. Singer. And then that cool-ass old dude shows up and fucking yeah. rakes that, that broad across the coals. Hey, you, know, you know what that guy <laughs> Colonel Sanders comes and saves <laughs> the day. Hell you yeah, know, he you does. You know who he reminded me of? Who's it, that? that? That whole thing reminded me of that crap, and I can't believe I'm saying this. And it reminded me of that stuff in Gundam Wing when yes, Renee Lena goes to the party. <laughs> and goes to the lady on at that party. And mm-hmm. Marquis Waywardge comes by and all that shit. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same <laughs> thing, and it, it makes you wonder how much anime these I guys watch. I was expecting Kaylee to say, "Hero, come kill me," <laughs> <laughs> or "Simon, come kill me." <laughs> oh, it's more like Simon, come rape me. Exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but um, other other than that, um, the way the way um Mal and Anar um interact in this episode, especially when she's trying to teach him how to sword fight, how, as futile as that is. <laughs> They have a really good back and forth dynamic, kind of like um, I had to cite Star Wars, but like Princess Leia and um, and Han Solo, you know, they kind of have that um, that that love hate relationship. Um, but um, I love the fight between Mister Dandy and um, Mal because Mal takes him down in the most gruesome—I wouldn't say gruesome, but in the baddest way possible. You know, he, he ends up getting messed up and he you know, gets cut up a bit, but then you know he he uses um, uh, I would say um. Un- unorthodox methods to take the guy down and then he spares his life which is like the biggest insult he could do to that guy and yet you know 
just shows that Mal, you know, he's a decent dude, even though he, under a rugged exterior. And you, you learn a lot about the, him and, and some of the other members of the show in this episode. And it's very light. I wouldn't say it's a lighthearted episode, but it's more lighthearted than the previous one. And um, it's, it's a show that can draw viewers in. Uh, I, I think uh, if you were watching the show for the first time, you get a real feel for the show while seeing this episode. But lighthearted, which certainly is not the case for the next episode, which is Safe. Oh, and, and a good a good point. Um, this episode kind of ties into Safe, right? It um, does because they the get cargo. a bunch of cows as yeah, cargo. Exactly. And at the beginning of Safe, they're dropping off these cows on sort of a shifty planet. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result of this job, while they're doing it, um, Simon and River both get kidnapped and taken to this remote village. Oh yeah. And Shepherd Book gets shot. <laughs> and they can't find Simon, so uh, Mal makes a decision to leave them behind and go get medical attention mm-hmm. for Shepard because now they don't have a doctor and this guy's bleeding to death from being shot. So you got them, they get hooked up with the Alliance, who uh, as soon as they see who Shepard Book is, they instantly start giving him the, uh, the Hilton treatment. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and that's a, a mystery that's carried on later in the show. And um, River and Simon are taken to this remote village where they don't have a doctor, so Simon starts helping them as a doctor and starts to think that maybe this is a nice place that uh, he and River could hide in because people are nice and they like them. And everything's cool until River starts saying things that she learned through uh, psychic power. Mm-hmm. And suddenly everyone's like, she's a witch, burn her at the stake! <laughs> <laughs> and it's literally at the point where they are just about to burn her at the stake when uh, Mal and the ship come back and rescue them. Yes, indeed. So I got to say, you know, it was a little weird. I said to myself, you know, that you'd have these group of people who are just so religiously intolerant and stupid. But then again, you know, we have stuff like the Westboro Baptist Church right now. Yeah. So it really shouldn't surprise me that 500 years in the future, there'll be people who are just as bad as that or obviously worse since, you know, they wanted to burn her. Exactly. So what did you guys think of this episode? I wasn't feeling as much as the previous episodes. I, I thought it was good, but I, I definitely, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say it's one of my favorites because <laughs> it was just, I just kind of sat there and it's like, eh, and you know, it's okay. It's social commentary on religion and crap and all this, but I, like you stated, I thought the best thing was like Shepard Books. Like he's like sitting there bleeding to death on the Elias ship. Grab my ID from my pants. <laughs> oh crap! We gotta we gotta take care of this guy. You got you guys want any uh, drinks? You know, any uh, mochaccino or something while you're waiting? <laughs> so they go from almost. Well, go-, go ahead. The episode does have a couple of important purposes. One, uh, establishing Shepard Books' mysterious background. But also, uh, during this episode, Simon's not getting along well with people. Yeah. And he's still an outsider. And then the stuff that happens by the end of the episode, it kind of firmly establishes that, yeah, this guy is part of the crew, and now he feels like this is his home. Yeah, yeah, it does that, but it doesn't doesn't mean that I was going to like it any better. I mean, it I, is, I saw that stuff. Episode. Yeah. I, I just didn't... I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it, so... But... Well, bro, I, I'm sure I, you loved it. No, I dug the episode because you know you got to you got to <laughs> learn a bit about the doctor and the fact that he was still uppity and you know freaking um what's her name um Kaylee you know had to bring him into down to his place you know she she likes she you know she liked him a lot but um at the same time um you he know, sure has a talent he, for saying stupid things stupid to piss her things. off exactly just when he's succeeding <laughs> just when he's getting ahead he shoots himself in the foot and um they they, they kind of establish the fact that um or I would say flesh out the fact that those two like each other. 
together. And then you got, of course, you got the mystery of Shepherd Book, which you know continues on throughout the course of the series and into the movie too. And you know, it just makes you wonder what the hell is what the hell was he before he became a shepherd? Um, and it just it, it's a good episode. All, uh, all you know to that it's a good episode that establishes a lot of mystique behind some of the characters. Um, even uh even River with the fact that uh you know River has these abilities. She's even she's starting to learn herself, and you know the uh, the viewer learns about him too. And you know you you begin to see that she's she's more abnormal than um than you were first first introduced. So. Well, she's the girl in the box. She's They're the girl in normal. the box, but Come not on. even Melfina had all these abilities. <laughs> she was awkward though, too. Yeah, she was. She was. But yeah, um, it, I, I thought it was a. It's an episode that um was a necessity. Um, maybe not one of the best episodes, but a good episode overall. Okay, so now that finally brings us to our Mrs. Reynolds, Woo! the first episode featuring the amazingly busty and voluptuous Christina Hendricks. Uh, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen that girl before, but she's pretty hot. Man. So, in this episode, um, they're doing some job on some planet, they're at a party, and the next day, Mal ends up with a wife, <laughs> who is this remarkably timid, subservient girl, right. who has sneaked onto the ship, and he's trying to explain to her that, you know, she doesn't need to, uh, you know, cook dinner for him, or wash his feet, or, you know, have sex with him, or any of this sorts of stuff, but she insists on it because, you know, that's the law of her town, and, you know, um... You know, if he rejects her, she's going to die and all this sort of stuff. And she basically does a number on the whole crew yeah. by, playing, um, by playing them all. But then at the end, we discover, no, she's not this innocent little country girl. She is actually a um, very devious con artist. Most the, old, the old Tijuana BF. <laughs> Who in some ways, I guess, is a former... Um a former companion, or I would say companion, but has well, has companion training. She's had companion training because yeah. she manages to like fool almost everyone, and until Inara realizes, like, hey, something something ain't right with this chick. Exactly. And enter so Faye Valentine. Comments on this episode, or on uh, Christina Hendricks, or Ooh. Christina Hendricks. That that chick. I mean, you can see how young she was in this episode. She. Um, yeah, this was eight years ago. Eight years ago. Way before Mad Men. Way before Mad Men. All I got to say is Mal's got incredible self control. Uh, he does because. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she, she would have dropped trowel in front of me like that I'd be like forget shepherd book I'm going to hell and I don't mind yeah. in a hand basket <laughs> at least I'll always have this memory while I'm sitting in hell but um, yeah, but he a, never got the chance, and she she slipped him the poison lipstick. Yeah, slipped yeah. him a Mickey boy and a, a, a fierce one at that. And um, no, she 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 makes for an interesting character and completely drove the episode. Um, it's it's a twist I didn't see. And ends coming. up becoming one of the few reoccurring characters that yeah. we have later on because she shows up again. And yeah, it was cool because you could you could see you know the the whole thing of she's able to kind of snow everybody over, mm-hmm. but then like you said, um, she can't. She, uh, she can't um, fool the uh, the biggest con artist on there, yeah. Anara, because you know she's she's got kind of you know she in her line of work she's doing the same thing. It goes to show so. um, this episode shows how much um, Wash loves his wife too, because um, oh yeah, it's amazing how he didn't fall under her whims, you know, with the fact that you know Zoe would have kicked his ass upward. Up. I think I think that's 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 a very good incentive, not dying or being castrated. Exactly. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's necessarily love. I think it was fear, fear, <laughs> and respect. But I don't um, know about that. I think it was more fear. More fear? Yeah. Plus, he's, as he's demonstrated uh, a love for dead ass. Yes. So dead ass. I think he'd to stick with Zoe. Woo! Let me tell you about that ass. But um, if anything, I'll, one other ep- one other thing of note about this episode. This is um, this episode also features uh, Captain Aceveda from the Shield, man. 
freaking indeed b- in, in a very brief cameo as like where he gets blown in space. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him. It's like wait, wait. I know that voice. That's Benito Martinez. Get, get out of here, man! And, and this show I was, was like, oh shit! <laughs> Captain Acevedo's gone really far down in the world. Captain Acevedo running for, for for LA Council. That's like apparently that didn't work out. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's a it's an awesome episode and establishes a, a, one of the one of the best reoccurring characters in the series. I dig it. Oh, he digs it now. That's, I dig that's it, sir. the new Soul Bro thing. Woo! I dig it. Can you dig it? What, what was it, what was his old thing that he used to say? I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> now it's I dig it. I should take the sound bite from RoboCop. I like it every time. So um, so we can hear your, your comments. All right, like I said, it it's just. You know, it was just a great episode to see um, back to what you were expecting from the the weird one that you had previous, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, definitely uh, set up a great thing with the reoccurring character because uh, you know I saw I didn't see, watch this show up until recently, mm-hmm. and as soon even in my um, you know I'm not as versed in television and stuff as Solbro, but even I could see not. that this chick was going to be coming back, and it didn't surprise me. A few episodes down the road, that that it would because it, 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 she's just a great she was just a great character to have mm-hmm. and and uh, too hot to not use again. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it, definitely. It definitely yeah, there are no ugly girls in this future. No, no, not I've at all. I noticed that. And, and she's she's a token weeding character too, man. Yeah, it's a character between, between her and then the the the, the sexy uh, whore and uh, <laughs> even the the cutesy little engineer chick. And Zoe, the badass. Yeah, but next episode, Chris, let's do so, it. So uh, that brings us to Janestown, which is the Ooh. sadly the halfway point of the series. Oh. And uh, in this episode, they visit a mud planet where Jane <laughs> covers himself up ridiculously because he had done a heist there a few years before. But uh, much to his chagrin, he discovers that he's actually viewed as a folk hero. Yeah. And there's a statue of him made of mud in the center of the town. In- and there's a song that they sing in the bar yeah, the hero <laughs> of camden the man they called jane boy man yep the, one of the best and scenes in the series was, <laughs> he had robbed um the the magistrate uh freaking charles logan from 24 yes indeed and as his spaceship was escaping they couldn't get enough lift to get out of the atmosphere mm-hmm. so he threw out everything uh like the chairs uh his partner then <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, finally he had no choice but to dump all the money so he ended up dumping the money on the town. Yeah. Ooh. And it was totally unintentional because obviously he wanted to get away with the money. Right. But because the uh, town people got all the money, they came to see him as this like amazing sort of like space Robin Hood. Yeah. Yeah. Which causes some problems when he comes back and the magistrate finds out that he's back. <laughs> but, you know, he's trying to prove to these people like, look, I'm not your folk hero. Because Jane really... Jane's not a good guy. No, no not, not, at all. not by far. Sometimes he, sometimes he does the right thing against his better judgment. Right. But he also does bad things throughout the series. He definitely is not a good guy. You can see he's probably a product of the frontier. He probably didn't have the the greatest of ch- bringing up and in, in childhood. He's yeah. probably probably had to scavenge his whole life. So it's it's he always comes first in his mind. So. So it bothers him that he's viewed as a hero, and he mm-hmm. tells people that he's not. That he's just a crook. <laughs> but by the end of the episode. You know, they're talking about it, and he's saying something like, oh, I bet you they put that statue back up. And I think it's Mal who says to him, um, you know, it's it's not about you. It's what these people need and what they need to believe in. Yeah. So comments on this episode. I, they should have called this Jane's counterattack. So when they started singing the song, all I thought of is the... 
the Shar song and Shar's counterattack. <laughs> hey, that 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 the, the man they called Jane. That's a, it's a catchy song. It's a very it catchy song. I actually heard that. I never saw this episode until I watched it on Netflix, and I heard that song throughout the years. And it's like, what is that? What is that from? What does that have to do with anything? And um, sure enough, I, I finally find out the origin of that. And it's one of the like I said, it's one of the best scenes in the entire series because the reactions on the rest of the crew's faces when that song starts <laughs> to be played yeah. in the bar <laughs> is priceless, especially the doctor he can't believe that mess <laughs> he keeps saying you know i forget what he uh, he, he keeps he got saying completely something. wasted <laughs> yeah he, he was already drunk to begin with that's it's like why, that's why he was laughing so i must hard. be delusional right now because i can't believe they're singing your praises <laughs> and they and it's funny because as the song is going and the lyrics are going jane is actually explaining the truth behind the legend and it's a nice it's a nice counteraction uh, 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 what's a juxtaposition of um of what really happened between the 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 legend that played out and um it's just really cool insight in this character it's good to see um charles logan in this episode because he's always good at, the, the actor that plays him is always good always at, a devious bastard always playing devious bastards but that just makes him a, a awesome i think it's gregory itson is his name and um he's a really good actor he was great in 24 and to see him in this episode before t- he was in 24 was really cool and um you know, for the most part, the the, the sub story of Anar um, allowing uh, Anar choosing his son to um, to finally lose his virginity, and the fact that he stands up to his father in the end is a really cool scene. Plus, uh, the the um, the conflict between Jane and his former partner, and to see how diabolical Jane was back in the day, as opposed to the softening of him throughout the course of the series, is a nice contrast too. It, there's a lot of contrast in this episode, but it shows that you know these characters are developing through the course of the series and it's it's a great episode overall it's one of my favorites yeah the best part the best part of it is that stuff in the bar when they're just <laughs> sitting there and they're just like because everybody knows i mean up until this point everybody pretty much just has to, they're just dealing with him on the ship because mm-hmm. they know he's just such a dirty bastard and he'll sell them all out at, <laughs> if, if the price is right and they're sitting in there and they're seeing that these people are exo- uh, putting this guy up on a pedestal who's just like you know just scum basically <laughs> i gotta give it up to animal mother man he, he the, adam baldwin is an amazing cast member in this show and just to see his reactions and 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 his performances in the show is one of the one of my favorite things about uh, firefly but definitely a good episode so moving on uh out of gas a Ooh. Very different tone episode that's uh, very serious where it has a great open and it does something that Joss Whedon likes to do sometimes, which is to tell to start the story near the end mm-hmm. and then through a series of flashbacks bring you to that point yeah. and everything that happened up to that point. Indeed. So the opener of this episode is uh, Mal collapses on the deck of the ship with a gunshot wound and he's all by himself and there's not a single person on the ship. <laughs> this is the origin episode, right? Like, yes, it is. Yeah. So um, we start to see through a series of flashbacks that uh, you know, it's just an average day, and they were traveling literally through the backwaters to avoid the alliance, and a part breaks down. A part that actually is mentioned in the pilot and some other episodes. Yeah. A very simple, dumb little part <laughs> that is really of no consequence. Like the Toyota Recall. Until it breaks. <laughs> <laughs> like the Toyota Recall. <laughs> and now they have no power, which means no life support. And they're slowly draining oxygen. So as the situation's getting worse and worse, everyone is facing the prospect of choking to death. And we see a series of flashbacks that detail how the rest of the crew met. Because in the, in the pilot, we saw how it is that 
Shepard Book and Simon and River came aboard the crew, but you didn't know anything about all of the other crew members. Exactly. Other than that, Zoe. Uh, that Zoe and Mal fought together in the war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you see flashbacks of um, Mal and Zoe buying the Serenity, and you know him being in love with the ship, even though it's a piece of junk. <laughs> you see uh, how it is that they. They met Wash. They recruited him as as a as like a star pilot, and of course, to emphasize the fact that this is the past, he shows up with a, a real like a porn stash and yeah. a Hawaiian shirt. There's a no Battlestar Galactica treatment, right? Not, yeah, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> to emphasize, this must be the past because he had a mustache. This is this is this. He was definitely going through his Tom Selleck phase <laughs> during that time. <laughs> Oh my God. We see them uh, meeting Inara and her talking about wanting to have a shuttle and you know travel and then have a business. Um, interesting how they recruit Kaylee, which is that uh, they actually had recruited some pretty boy bum as a mechanic who couldn't get the ship to work. It was like a and surfer guy. Mal walks in <laughs> on this pretty boy bum banging Kaylee in the engine room. Oh yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, the guy offers up like all of these like crappy exclusive excuses like, Oh well this thing is you know, it's just totally busted, so I can't fix it and we can't go anywhere and then Kaylee's like, Oh no it's not. If you just do this and this and this and this, you know, you could uh you know, you could fix it and you'd be done in one minute. Yeah, Spicoli. Dad Spicoli as chief Spicoli. Enge- as chief engineer. <laughs> so uh, you know, he offers her a job and the pretty boy is like, Hey, uh, what are we gonna do with two mechanics on the ship? And Mal's like, We don't need two mechanics. <laughs> It's a it's a justified firing for certain. <laughs> so, um in the main story in the present, eventually Mal gets the idea to have everyone evacuate on the ship's two shuttles mm-hmm. and they've sent a distress call and he's gonna stay there and hope that someone comes to um you know, give him some assistance. And somebody does, but they double cross him and shoot him. Okay. Which brings us back to the beginning of the episode. Yeah. And you see, by the end of the episode, he's all by himself. The oxygen's completely gone, and he's just stumbling to get this part installed in the engine to bring back the power systems and the life support. Yeah. Exactly. And then everybody comes back, and it's okay. Yay. So I thought it was a great episode. Uh, you know, very dramatic, and you know, it really sucks you with that opening of Mal collapsing from a gunshot wound on the deck, mm-hmm. and you see, you know. The situation just getting worse and worse as time goes by, and also all of the flashbacks of how everyone met. Oh, and of course, I uh, forgot to mention Jane, where um, they recruit him by having him betray his boss for more money. Yeah, which is funny and ironic. The fact that now Mal always going to read him and know how to play him. It started from that point, it, it, yep. right when they first met. <laughs> so, what'd you guys think of this episode? I, I first thing I got to say about this episode is I love how it's edited. Um, you see, it, you, I've seen a lot of uh, shows that do the same thing, but. The way the way it was done was very masterful, um, and the fact that they found time to—it's it, kind of a life flashing before your eyes episode because you know Mal is at his most desperate in this episode, and you know he's—it's kind of like he's flashing back to uh, all the times he's met all these people, and it's an opportunity to introduce these origins to everyone. Um, one of the things I like about the editing is that when they transition from the past to the present or do a different time period, it's almost as if it's a continuing scene. Like you'll see the same person almost in the same situation as it transitions from one time to the next it's masterfully edited and 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 the way it was written and just um the way it played out is really cool you know it keeps you keeps you on the tip of your toes until the very end and i I like this episode i'd I'd say it's probably my second favorite episode in the series Uh, it's a good one and and i think um whenever we do the uh, origin video podcast of gundam we should all wear (laughs) i'll I'll have mustaches and hawaiian shirts yeah and hawaiian shirts 
shirts because uh, th- this is the start of the Battlestar Galactica trope of everyone must have mustaches because it's the past. <laughs> the school of Admiral Adama. <laughs> and and not only and, and not gotta... only and not only mustaches but very cheesy seventies mustaches. Nice. Yes, they have to be cheesy seventies mustaches. <laughs> Any other comments on this episode? Nope. No, just I can't really say too much more than what you guys already said. I mean, just a just a good. Or you know, good way of doing an origin story because sometimes origin story origin episodes can be boring. Yeah. So true. So next up is Ariel, which is uh, an interesting variation on the uh, classic bank heist story. Now that we've already done a train heist, and the reason is because this time the client is Simon. Yeah. yeah. And he's frustrated that um, River's getting worse, even though he's trying to you know, come up with all these different medications. And the problem is he simply just doesn't have the advanced equipment that he needs to diagnose her and see exactly what it is that the Alliance did to her. Exactly. So he proposes a job to Mal, which is that they infiltrate Ariel, which is one of the core planets, you know, the shining utopias of the Alliance. And he's going to tell them exactly how they can get into one of the central hospitals and rob all of these um, fancy drugs and medical supplies which they can use as, um, which they can then sell. So he wants them to do something, which is to help him get River into uh, the hospital so he can, uh, you know, diagnose her. So basically, um, it's two jobs, but the heist is the payment. The real job is getting him in with the hospital to her, getting him and her into the hospital so he can diagnose her. Right. The interesting thing that occurs for this episode is everything's going just fine from them, you know, buying a junked uh, shuttle ambulance and rebuilding it and infiltrating. However, it all takes a bad turn because... Jane has decided to sell out <laughs> River and Simon because he's pissed about. Um, I think it, it was shown in an episode before this that she sliced him with a knife. Yeah, I think that, it was the beginning. No, it 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 actually, it's the beginning of this episode. Yeah. It's the beginning. Yeah, beginning of this episode. Yeah. yeah, she went crazy and she just came up to him with a friggin' butcher knife and sliced him right across the chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's like, "This girl's crazy," and he decides to sell them out, and he does. Yeah. But then, um, you know, the people he sells her out to the Alliance. But then, you know, they turn on him, too. <laughs> so in the end, the heist that was supposed to go very easily turns into, we got to rescue these three people. Exactly. And it ends with, um, you know, Jane trying to cover up what he did, yeah. which will be carried on in future episodes. But uh, what did you guys think of this episode? This is where he almost got airlocked, too, yeah, at the end, this right? this is it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. well, yeah, he put him, Mal yeah. put him there, uh, you know, as they were taking off. And it's like, hey, you uh, make your me. choice. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely a good episode. Um, you know, one of those ones where it's it's harder to get out of the place than getting into it. And um, you know, it's got it's got that that feel like um, Cowboy Bebop and Outlaw Star, where it's like. Um, Everything was just going too well that you knew that something bad was going to have to happen, right? Which it did, but uh, of course, you know their their resourcefulness and everything like that. Um, you know they're they're able to get out of the whole situation. This is where we're really kind of introduced to those guys with the blue gloves again, yeah. And see how it's just really bastards they are because even <laughs> even members of the alliance and the, and the security forces they just um, you know they just erase these guys. They Ooh. kill them because there's you know. I guess these are the guys that aren't supposed to be known. To it's the like you—you you talked to her, you <laughs> asked her questions. Yeah, the guys, like yeah, the alliance guys, like yeah. What's the problem? Yeah. Like uh, you, you said too much, buddy. Yeah, they—they they did worse than the old Men in Black mind wipe. Good God. 
They, they make your brain rupture. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got, of course, you got the, the space MRI that can see everything. Yeah. But, um, you know, other than that, a, a good ep- a good episode because it this is where you get into the, the story with River and Simon. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're kind of introduced. And I'm sure if the if the show went past what it did, we would have seen more of those guys with the blue gloves. Yeah. And some other stuff. But you've got um, I know one of the scenes I like a lot is uh, you get to really see how talented Simon is in two situations. The fact that he's. You know, practically a criminal mastermind <laughs> where he, he works out the heist for them. You know, he finds a talent he didn't even know he had, um, you know, for good reason, though. And then um, when he's in the hospital, there's a really notable scene where um, some, some, some one of the patients is given the wrong medicine or a combination of the wrong medicine. And, you know, he risks blowing his cover by going over to the, the situation and, and saves him with, with River's insistence. You know, she says, save him, you know, the, the guy who's dying. And he goes over to the, the patient who's about to die and saves the patient life while chastising like a first year i guess uh resident that's that's that was working on him and tells him you know what he did wrong and you know you see how passionate simon is about you know his practice of medicine and you know how talented he is at the same time the guy's really gifted and this episode really shows it other episodes did too but this one you know it really it really um landed home and of course um the very end where mal and uh where mal pretty much almost uh disposes of jane after you know mal mal knew it the entire time but kept it to himself and uh, i love the scene where he hits him with the wrench (laughs) and the next thing you know he's in the airlock and the firefly's about to go through the atmosphere and um uh you know he he's just had it with jane and he's about to airlock him and then jane says something that you know kind of shows that you know he's he's developing to be a better person and mal spares his life at the very end but um was it this episode that had some flashbacks of uh simon with his parents that's what i was going to ask you because yeah, i was. know there's an episode yeah, where they did flashback was. a bit and you find out that his parents are probably in on the fact that they gave up river um probably by force but they gave it river and they were trying to tell him to just forget about her i think this is the episode i, I hate to be wrong oh, i didn't but. necessarily get the thing that they gave her up i think they honestly believe that it was a good Nah, I, there was something there was sinister just, behind it's just that. Will for ignorance, you know, like you know, we yeah. we we we're this prestigious family. Don't rock the boat. Don't make yeah. any problems yeah. for us. You know, don't make a big stink out of it. I don't. Or I, I don't think. I don't think they knew what was actually going on. They probably didn't. Maybe they, they didn't think it was on the. They up turned and a blind up, eye. Yeah. yeah. Probably. I mean, it's not like their son is crazy. So if he had suspicions, they. They probably had to think that there was something to his suspicions, but they decided to, you know, ignore that just because they didn't want to create any trouble and, yeah. you know, do anything that would jeopardize their positions in society. Yeah, that's true. So it's, it's definitely, I think, a case of the way they talk and the way they act around him, it's definitely a case of willful ignorance. They yeah. know that something's going on, but they choose to ignore it. Yeah, why, why lose both your children when you can just, you know, try to hang on to the one that's still there with you? But, um, man, good episode. Good ep. Well, he's their legacy. That is true. So that that's and that's that's what happens when you have people that are in those situations in those social circles. So I guess next episode, Chris. Well, I, I had some comments about oh, this I'm one. Sorry. Well, go, go ahead and say it. Then. Go ahead. Solbro said he liked it. So <laughs> we always have to go on. So what what stands out for me, like that that scene about uh, him saving that person's life, mm-hmm. it just shows that even though now he's a uh, a criminal living in the the outlands, it doesn't change the fact that at his core he's a doctor who his mission is still to save people. Well, yeah. He's a criminal with a heart of gold, man. That's that's <laughs> the that's the message we've had throughout all of Firefly. And that um, you really you really start to see like the life that this guy gave up because he loved his sister. Yeah. You know, this guy could have had the most comfortable life making tons of money, working in an ultra fancy hospital, probably could have had like any woman he wanted mm-hmm. and, you know, just lived a very nice life until his old age. 
but he threw it all away because he knew that something was going with his sister and that he had to save her. Yep. Yeah. Now, now he's in a stinky ship with a bunch of criminals, <laughs> and uh, you know they're they're they they can barely uh, eat well, they, they eat like tomatoes and stuff. Oh, so but yeah, definitely definitely a good episode. So next episode, uh, war stories, kind of harkening back to some stuff from before. Uh, you have um, Zoe and Wash are having some some marital issues because uh, you know since Zoe used to serve in the military with. Um, with Mal, she's very uh, deferential to him and still treats him like he's her commanding officer. She still calls him sir, yeah. which is something that bothers Wash. And uh, he thinks that um, Mal is sort of getting in the way of their marriage mm-hmm. because you know she pays attention more to like what Mal says and does than to what Wash does. So as a result, uh, he insinuates himself on a mission because he wants to have you know some field stories of his own to tell the way that Mal <laughs> Zoe always do. Unfortunately, he chooses the worst possible time to do this. Yes, indeed. Because they're selling um, a bit of continuity. They're selling some of the drugs that they stole in Ariel. Right. But unfortunately, Mal and Wash, they get captured by good old Niska. Oh, man. Good old crazy Niska, who um, brings them in and, of course, immediately starts torturing them. Yes. (laughs) And although this is very serious business, you have this hilarious, very weed and scene where um, Mal and Wash are being electrocuted, but they're arguing with each other about Zoe, mm-hmm. and they're completely ignoring the fact that they're being electrocuted, and they're completely ignoring Niska, who's trying to like enjoy and get the sadistic pleasure out of torturing people the way he always does. Yeah, and he certainly does get sadistic since um, <laughs> when he agrees to give up Wash for money when Zoe comes to pay him. Uh, he's like, oh, this is too much money. Let me give you a refund. And he goes up to Mal and slices off his ear Ooh. and gives it to them. <laughs> like, here you go. Now we're even. Damn. So they mount a rescue attempt to get Mal back from this space station. And a uh, couple of things happen. We see that uh, Shepard Book, you know, with his mysterious background, is pretty skilled with a gun. Yeah. Uh, we see that um, River can shoot people without looking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and hit them three for three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, of course, in the end, they do they do rescue Mal, and uh, the issues between Zoe and Wash are resolved. So, comments on this episode? Uh, just one of those good uh, character tension episodes where you know, like you said, Wash is all he's he's just got a jealousy towards Zoe, even you know the way she acts around Mal, even though. And there's no way or fashion that she wants to be with Mal. She just respects him for, you know, the things that they went through and all yeah. that. And, um, you know, just a nice way of also having, uh, you know, the, the the crazy Niska, seeing him again, and then seeing the crew. Basically, even though Mal can piss him off at times, they know how important he is. <laughs> and they have to go and, and save him. And then, you know, the, the whole little thing at the end with... Uh, Oh boy! Not only is uh, River uh, crazy, but she's like a trained assassin. So oh crap! It's got what's her face, Kaylee, like about uh, you know freaking the hell out, duking in her shorts there. So it's like, and then and then like you said, the whole thing with Shepherd Book, where I don't think he was always a preacher most of his life. I think he uh, I think he had some uh, career transition yeah. somewhere along well, the we'll, way. Well, we'll get to that in Serenity. Yeah, yeah. most definitely. Um, the movie, not the episode. <laughs> <laughs> we which we just episodes, which we talked about, yeah. yeah so, um, but um, uh, I I was just gonna say, Silver uh, has to speak. So. Well, if I if I don't, do go into the next step. <laughs> 
we, I'm just I'm kidding. We can't but, certify uh, the we can't certify these episodes until you know it's like when a CEO so bro says the I papers. Dig it. Yeah, yeah, it's there like you go. I do dig it. Uh, <laughs> I dig it. Now I, this is a good this is a great Wash episode. You know, you finally get one, and you know, Wash is the most likable character on the show, for, at least for me. Um, but you know, he, he got fed up with being you know being the the wife. <laughs> not the husband in their relationship, and he, he, it well, goes don't on. Don't marry sh- an Amazon. Yeah, he, he married an Amazon, which is you know you know part of the deal of being yeah. in that situation. But um, you know, he just he got you know a little angsty about it, and um, you, you know, you just can't beat the the bond that war can can bring the two former soldiers being in there. That's 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 something that you know Wash had to learn that they have a dynamic that he and his wife will never have. But um, I my favorite scene is the one you brought up where they're being tortured. The fact that they that 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 he, he I guess uh Wash real realizes that Mal is trying to keep him alive basically by getting his um getting his uh adrenaline mind off by the torture. get his mind yeah. off the torture and it's a genius scene it's it's I, I love that scene for what it is and then afterwards you know Wash's nuts drop and he wants to save uh, his captain <laughs> and he has a new new respect exactly he goes hung gung ho and he has a respect for what his what what Mal and his wife share it's what's kept them both alive for so long that you know he he realizes his place is better off being on the ship um that and of course you know river being annie oakley all of a sudden <laughs> we find out how good she is with weapons and um it's a little hint of what we'll see later on in um serenity to the movie oh god you guys oh man but yeah i'm good definitely i think this episode was a good development on some things that have been going on in the background right you know you, you had to know in um you know the train job that by crossing this maniac niska that it would someday come back to haunt them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, it does when they least expect it, which is right when they're actually going to profit off of a big job. And it really hurts them. And, of course, you know, this uh, tension between Mal and, um, and Zoe and Wash. Yeah. That's which really just nicely. one-sided. It's, you know, it's, it's just yeah. so one-sided. It's the old uh, Macross love triangle, <laughs> but not. Oh, and this is the first time Mal dies in the series, too. <laughs> and the fact that they just quickly resuscitate him <laughs> he literally dies because of that torture they're giving him that I, I love that commercial break that's that's one of the one of the better scenes in, in this episode too but good so next episode trash which uh again features the lovely and voluptuous christina hendrix Uh-oh. and this episode is done in the same style as out of gas where you start at the end of the story and then mm-hmm. through flashbacks uh find out everything that happened to that point but of course, this time it's done in a very humorous way. So the opening scene is um, Mal sitting in the middle of nowhere in the desert on a rock, completely naked. <laughs> and he says, yeah, that went well. <laughs> so you, uh, you see, starting with the flashbacks, that Mal was doing uh, a business deal with an old war buddy and that um, Saffron was his wife. <laughs> but as soon as she sees Mal, the two of them pull guns on each other and... Um, you know, she reveals inadvertently that she's a con artist. So this guy leaves and abandons her on this planet with Mal and um, the goods. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the ship comes to pick up Mal and she sneaks aboard the ship on a box. And, you know, everybody's like, give us a reason why we shouldn't kill you and space you right now. <laughs> and she's like, hey, guys, I got a great job. And, you know, you guys can help me with it. So... Against everyone's better judgment, they actually listen to her instead of killing her. Right. And the job is there's this uh, super rare prototype laser gun, one of a kind, and she's come up with an idea to steal it. And they all work out a plan 
you know, sort of like a, a multi-stage plan of everyone working together in different places mm-hmm. to do this theft. So it's on some planet where the habitations are all these sort of like floating cloud city type places. Right. So the deal is that uh, her and Mal sneak in as employees during like this uh, wedding or some such. They steal the gun. They throw it into the trash can. And the trash is all hauled away by little like flying bots. And, And Serenity reprograms the destination of the trash bots to take the trash container out to some remote desert, at which point Mal picks it up and then they have the gun and they can fence it. Yeah. And that actually all goes well according to plan until the point where um, Mal and Saffron go to pick up the gun and she betrays him. Which, of course, we all see coming. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And we find out that Mal wasn't the first guy, quote-unquote, married to her. Oh, not at all. I forget what her alias was and, um, when she was with the, uh, the dude that, uh, that they were stealing from. But... Which guy? Yeah, it turns out she was married to that guy, and she does a little act on him, and, but, you know, he's wise to her crap. And, um, you know, she betrays Mal and makes him take off his clothes and leaves him in the desert naked, <laughs> which is where we find him. Right. And when she goes to get the laser, she finds Inara waiting for her who locks her up in the trash bin and leaves her there. And uh, she finds out that she's been, she's been duped because they knew not to trust her. Exactly. However, as Inara curiously points out to Mal, um, her waiting at the trash container to uh, jump Saffron was supposed to be the contingency. Yeah. <laughs> Which means that Mal still got hoodwinked. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> But comments on this one, the payoffs at the end. Yeah, I mean that's that's when it comes to this episode, it's like it's just a normal little episode. But what makes it great is just that they were able to see through it, and they had enough um, enough smarts to to do up a contingency plan, and, and the fact that uh, they all played it off well. Because even Anara, I remember like at the beginning, she's like, I don't even want to deal with what you guys are trying to do. Yeah, and even even had it where you know it looked like she wasn't involved, but yet she was. So. But uh, definitely, definitely a good episode. So, it's it. I, I, I like. I, it's a cool episode for the fact that um, Anara plays part of the um, the heist that's going on. You know, she rarely gets foil. involved. She's always off on her own tangent. But it's it's one of the few times where she's actually involved with the the main storyline. She just you know makes you think that she's off doing her own um her own thing, and you find out that she's not. It's cool to get a little insight on on you know saffron in quotes but uh <laughs> um overall it's cool to see her again but of course the thing that permeates this episode is why is mal naked in the desert when you first see him and it, it's nice to see that whole episode unfold and um to see how it plays out really cool episode and sadly the last time we see christina Hendricks in oh, the show man bust out the hankies <laughs> so uh next episode the message which uh starts off in an unusual way where um they're like at some space station and Mal finds out that he's got some mail, and the mail's a dead guy <laughs> in a box. A, a, a new, a new, a new flip on the trope, right? Instead yeah. of girl a new in a flip box, on the, the naked girl in a box. This is a dead guy and <laughs> dead guy in a box at the post office. Yeah, crazy things come in boxes in this show. <laughs> so the dead guy is um, a soldier that Mal and Zoe served with in the uh, in the war, and we see some flashbacks about their time together, and. Um, he left them a message saying that you know he got into some bad stuff and you know uh, now the bad stuff's caught up with him and 
you know, he's given himself over to them in the hopes that um, they can take him to his home planet and turn his body over to his parents. Right. So it's kind of a whole sad thing until the point comes that um, Simon's about to do an autopsy on the guy and starts <laughs> to cut him with a scalpel, and the guy wakes up and screams. Ooh. So you find out, obviously, that he's not dead and he's not a zombie. Right. This, this isn't Buffy. But uh, what he did was he took some, some junk to fake his death, and he wanted Mal's help because he's being chased by an Alliance officer over some smuggled goods. Yeah. And unfortunately, he sucks them into his problems and reveals that he's quite a dick. Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, through the course of the episode, while they're trying to evade this, uh, this guy, um, their Alliance butt, no, their, their brown coat buddy ends up dying anyway. Right. So in the end, they still have the sad task of delivering his body to his parents. So comments on this episode. Uh, I dig how the beginning foreshadows the end, especially with the uh, the message and how it, it does. Just all, all comes full circle. Um, a cool thing in this episode is you get to see a little uh, a little bit of an old Shepherd book, like um, you know what Shepherd Book is capable of and how good of a I guess a diplomat he is. His mysterious knowledge. His mysterious he knowledge. Says to the- cop like hey um you know your your jurisdiction is nowhere near here and as soon as you got to this planet you didn't call for help which means you don't want anyone to know you're here what yep. are you up to <laughs> guys like curses yeah, he, his his knowledge of, of 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 alliance workings is is you know comes to comes it just comes to show in this episode i can't recall this is the episode where uh, jane says yeah, you got to tell us someday uh, how you know so much about this, <laughs> about this stuff. Um, but and Shepard Book's like, no, I don't. The, exactly, he's, he's pretty tight-lipped. But um, you also get to see, uh, I guess, a little bit more of the uh, the love uh, tensions between uh, Kaylee and the Doctor in this episode, and the fact that, um, of course, again, he pisses her off, and she starts to get attached to uh, the uh, Mal and um, Zoe's old war buddy, and then, of course, you know how things play out. And the the cool the the punchline to this episode is things would have worked out well for their friend if he just played along or if he just had a bit more wits about him. And it just goes to show that he was always dumb and he was always interested in his own self-preservation and never oh, was willing a greedy to play bastard. along. Yeah, he was a really greedy bastard. Although he had some good intentions for the most part. If uh, it could have played out completely in his benefit, yeah, if he, selling out the people that I fought in the war with, to, yeah. to, who uh, saved his life time and again, exactly. yeah, to help myself. He's alive. He, yeah. he didn't realize his mistake until he was laying there dying. And um, this is a touching scene. It really is, especially at the end when they deliver his body to his parents. It, it just it, it it ends up you know it gets lighthearted in the middle, but then you know when the when the serious shit goes down, <laughs> it gets heavy um, towards the end. And it's a very memorable episode. Really well written. And it's good. Yeah, this is also too where he's kind of that he's kind of seducing Kaylee too. Yeah, so she's getting a little thing, and then realizing you know at the end of how much of a bonehead Simon is, um, you know he's still a better person in the end than this guy that was like you know doing all the things that she wanted. But yeah, yet, he's just a friggin' low life. You got and, it. And uh, realizing that yeah, Simon's got his issues, but. It's not. It's nothing compared to like this. Um, you know, Simon's just an awkward guy when it comes to things, and um, you know, but he's still a good person. But I was glad that bastard died. Yeah. The funny thing is, you know, the the guy. I think in the in the message that he put with his body, he unintentionally described what his own problem was, which is that uh, he could never figure out a place in the world for himself after the war. Yeah. It kind of. It kind of. And I kind of got it too, where I think it kind of hit Mal at home because let's be honest, he still hasn't been able to find a place 
for himself in the world. Yeah, yeah, he's found it in his being, you know, backwater, backwater criminal and stuff like that. But he's still on the outskirts of everything too. And it probably was one of these things where sort of like a a warning message, like this could be you. Yeah, and and I mean, you know, Mal's the criminal with the heart of gold. Well, this is just the criminal with the heart of ice. And that you know, if if Mal didn't have that, you know, that conscience, he probably would have ended up being the same way as this guy. Just so. like that guy, yep. But a good episode, and I'm glad that guy died. <laughs> yeah, he deserved it. Cots. So that's that brings us to the uh, the penultimate episode of the series, Heart of Gold. Oh, which is a very clear reference to hookers. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Since this whole episode is about hookers, so uh, in this episode we um, are introduced to. Let me see what. Her name is obviously I've done my research. research? Nicely oh, done. So. Oh, the madam, the madam of that brothel, that like backwater brothel. Yes, uh, Nandy, Nandy, yep. who is a friend of Inara's and is a former companion who is not part of the guild anymore mm-hmm. and just runs a whorehouse on some backwater planet. Yeah. Right, with a bunch of inverts. So, <laughs> in this episode, uh, we've got the local asshole, this guy named Rance. Who, um, who ironically um, is played by the, the dude, the uh, the, the freaking, marshal, the marshal from Lost, who had uh, Kate in custody. Yes, indeed. Beginning of the series. Always a douche. Anyway, <laughs> uh, he's a douche. Uh, he's the local asshole on this planet, mm-hmm. and uh, he knocked up a hooker, and he wants that baby because he can't have any babies with his actual wife, so he'll take, um, you know, the hooker's Surrogate. child as yeah. his own. You know, so that his family can continue, yada, yada. But the hooker doesn't want to give up the child. No doubt. You ain't taking my baby. (laughs) That's about how it was, too. So Mal agrees to to help them, even though it's, you know, a hopeless battle of, you know, a bunch of hookers versus the local asshole and all his ruffians. Right. So some interesting things happens. Um, Jane instantly decides to accept his payment and starts begging every, like, blonde hooker he can find. No doubt. (laughs) And, you know, you got some some sexual tension between Mal and uh, Nandy, which results in in them having sex, Mm -hmm. which then creates tension between him and Inara because, you know, she's got a thing for him, and, you know, he's got a thing for her, but he disdains her for being a companion, yeah. yet he slept with the madam of a whorehouse. No doubt. An unlicensed <laughs> so companion. There's, who used to be a companion. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of drama there yeah. that's going on. A lot of and hypocrisy. <laughs> <laughs> so it all culminates in uh, local asshole Rants and his thugs. They come to attack the uh, whorehouse, which is called Heart of Gold, and you have a standoff between them and you have, you know, hookers armed with space rifles trying to fight off this guy. And um, unfortunately, in the end, uh, Nandy is killed, mm-hmm. which uh, bothers both Mal and Inara. And um, it's the Mecha curse. You can, just like you can't kiss him, <laughs> you can't bang him before the final battle. She got flayed. Someone is going to die. <laughs> <laughs> she got flayed, man. <laughs> so this guy is uh, dispatched and. In the end, the hooker is able to keep her baby. Yep. So, comments on this, the second to last episode of the series. This is the A-Team episode. Yeah, there you because go. Because all they had to do was just cue that music, like when they're preparing <laughs> the, the whorehouse, like they're putting all the little traps up and stuff. I'm just like... Boarding up the windows yeah. and showing the hookers how to use the space rifles. Yeah, I was expecting like Mr. T to come out with a, a acetylene torch and just start, men- just start building things. But an Al Swearingen to show up. That's <laughs> 
and 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 you know, like I've been saying, criminals with the heart of gold. Here yeah. you go, and, and we with gold. and we actually have a in an episode called Heart of Gold. There you so go. so fitting. Not much more you can say about this episode. This is you know, I think really the standoff thing is is at the end when Anara, you know, she's visibly pissed that you know he hooked up with because she's like you know you can do her but you can't do me yeah and it is just all hypocrisy and stupidity and drama which and all. makes her ultimately decide to leave the ship which yeah. is a plot point in the next episode and in the movie exactly yeah. so and you know and even though she's trying to play it off well i just i'm just glad her last night was with you it's like well, bs you're you're pissed <laughs> you could have cared less if that woman would have died with you know uh mal laying it to her the night before or whatever so but uh, she's yeah, pretty good episode for that. But you know, the A Team episode, nice. I know she um she sleeps with every rich douche out there in the galaxy. But um, that's business know, though, man. That, that is business. That's business. But she expects him to be a celibate, you know, and wait for her or you know what? No, I mean, that's, and, you, what, what, maybe what, I'm twisting what, what it is. What but I'm just saying, episode were you watching? She the, the whole series. She's been waiting for him to step up and finally just him. say how he feels. Yeah, yeah true. And, but, and do her. Yep. She that's that's the thing. She's not going to give herself to him. She's yeah. made that clear. She wants no him to step up and be, and a, man. be a man about it. Oh, man. And he was a man and and took it with her. He was a man just with yeah. the wrong woman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very had true. The, had the wrong hooker. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would have taken a NAR any days. Damn right. Even though the other one had that she had that kind of milf look to her. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, she's kind of like Stifler's mom. Yeah, true. But in the uh in the Firefly world. Mm-hmm. So. And she was a ginger. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, she was. <laughs> Delicious. Yeah, maybe she, maybe she's shaving. But so, any other comments this episode? Straightforward episode, really good. And um, you get to see, I mean, the highlight of this episode is the, is the back and forth between Inara and um, Mal. And, um, you know, and they both, uh, they, I know Mal gets some and my boy Jane gets some too. Awesome. Awesome. He got it the whole, I think he. Oh, he, got, he, he got more than anyone. He took, he took, he took Shepard Bookshare. <laughs> I think he sh- I think he fired off his weapon more than his gun. Woo, man, no doubt. That, that that's a quote. Actually, I'm sorry, his gun more than his weapon. <laughs> no, no, you said he got it was right it the first right? time. This is my weapon, this <laughs> is my gun. Okay, I'm sorry. I was never in the military. I'm just going by what I know. Awesome. <laughs> so, that brings us finally to the last episode of the series, Objects Boo-hoo. in Space. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, uh Serenity, Firefly was canceled. You know, they yeah. never even had a complete first season because your typical first season for a series is 22 episodes usually. Right or on. 13 if it's a mid-series replacement, but this wasn't. So, you know, we should have had in this first season eight more episodes, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. So, um, there was no, you know, season finale. There was no series finale. So, uh, by virtue of this being the last episode, it is the last episode. And it actually kind of does fittingly serve as a cap to the uh, to the end of the the season and to the series. Right. And um, the whole episode, we've got uh, a bounty hunter, a very strange bounty hunter named Jubal Early. Hell yeah! It's coming to uh, hunt them down and take River away. And what's going on in a lot of this episode is that River and people they're she's getting crazier, and people are getting kind of like, "What's up with this chick?" Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, in the end. She kind of is the one who saves everyone, and you see her finally accepting her place on the ship and really starting to you know, come out of her, her uh, medical experiment-induced shell. Yeah. 
So, comments on this episode. This is the most bizarre episode I've ever seen <laughs> with with yeah. Black Bobo Fett. Because oh. that's all I thought of. was like, this is like Bobo Fett. You know, like, if Bobo Fett had, like, a movie where he actually talked more than a couple of things, mm-hmm. this, this would have been it right here. But, and uh, if he was a really weird, socially awkward guy. Yeah, yeah. just a really bizarre guy. But, um, you know... It, it is a good it is a good end episode even though it probably wasn't it was never intended to be that yeah but um you know for a show that you know it, it, I, I liken it to like how we got into the story it's like we just came into the lives of these people and then this kind of happened and then it, it had that kind of good feeling like all's gonna be good after this um, so you know for something that had to be that was canceled so quickly uh it wasn't abrupt or it didn't seem strange that you had an episode like this uh you know as the as the final television episode so but good it was just um not one of my favorites just because that guy was just so weird and i think that's what kind of kind of skews me on the whole thing is he's just so weird and bizarre and it was kind of cool how they did the old double cross on him well that that is a, but, a weeded thing he, he sometimes just throws out yeah like just very weird villains that yeah that that don't act the way you would expect them to. Yeah, I mean, he was just you know for a bounty hunter, he was so chatty. Yeah, it's like you know, well, it's, it's like it, it kind of reminds me. There's there's um in in Angel, which of course is a Joss Whedon show. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an episode where Angel has to fight this demon, and this guy's like a really like demon looking demon. Right. And uh, they talk a little bit before they start to fight, and the guy's name is Chip. That's the demon's name. And Angel's in some other dimension. And the guy's talking about how, um, you know, he, he lives pretty far from work, so he just commutes in in the mornings. <laughs> You're like, wait, wh- what? Why, why, is it, why is Angel talking to a demon about his commute to work in this demon dimension? Oh, my gosh. It, you, know what, you know what I think what made it is it's because this was the, this was the typical... Uh, the typical enemy that's like overconfident because he was able to overpower him so quickly instead of like just getting to the end and just do it finishing up the job he has to put on this grand showcase of like you know it's like in when we were talking about Battlestar Galactica when they had the the uh, the, the mutiny instead of just killing Adama on site they got to do all this stuff and it's like well, because this this guy's twisted, you know. He, yeah, he, it's he, the same way. Know, yeah, hints about his past and the you know, dog and talking, stuff. He's talking to River. He says that um, you know, oh, that uh, hurting people, you know, it's just part of the job. Yeah, and she tells him, no, you took the job because you want to hurt people. Yeah, because he's just a twisted person who has obviously like a messed up uh, history that he hints at. Yeah, with like the dog didn't like him, and it sounded like he killed the dog, and his mom like got rid of him and stuff. It's weird. Yeah, definitely, um, definitely not bad for an end of series episode though, but just bizarre. So it's, now, oh, uh, Solbro hasn't sorry. hasn't oh, du- Solbro. He hasn't dug it yet. So oh, well, well, Solbro, well, dig it. Well, well damn, <laughs> I like this episode a lot. I'm, I'll, I'll be I'll be honest with you. I, I dig Jubal early, but I also am a big fan of the actor that plays him. Um, Richard Brooks, you know, fami- most people are familiar. You haven't dug yet. Hey man, this uh, this whole show was everything a, was a total wonderful. treat to watch. You know, it's 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 rare you get a show where every episode you know hits on hits on high levels. You know, every one, but you know him 
it, it's a very subtle episode because it all takes place on ship, and you he, you got an eccentric character like Jubal Early played by you <laughs> no know, more Richard. on location. Budget stopped. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's what you call a uh, a bottle episode. Yeah, yeah, it's a very bottle episode, low budget, and um, it's just a good contained up um with a with an adversary that you think is you know very very intimidating and powerful. The way he takes down um both uh, Mal and Shepard Book in a very straightforward manner. He takes on people in different ways. He, he he'll either physically assault people who he knows that he can't psychologically intimidate, or he'll psychologically intimidate people that he doesn't need to take down physically, like um like Kaylee where he talked about, you know, you ever been raped? You know, that that whole diet, that whole conversation right there is just chilling. And, you know, it, he doesn't seem as evil as you'd think he would be, but, you know, he'd do whatever he he has to do to get, you know, get his bounty. I don't and know about that. He seems pretty I, I kinda, evil. He seems like a yeah. pretty bad person. He's, yeah. a bad, he's a pretty pretty bad person, but, you know, much like Jane, I think you can get through to this cat. Um, uh, I, I mean, I I, it almost, he's almost yeah. like the cat that you you could see as being part of the crew on the Firefly, mm. at least to me, on, on Serenity. Uh, I, dude, I don't think so. Honest. Yeah, you're... I, 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 maybe you're I see him completely differently. Maybe because I like his character so much that um, I just I think see you have that. a man crush on the actor. Hey, maybe so. <laughs> he, he, he played him excellent. I, uh, he played him in an excellent manner. I, if they ever I don't do see a, in any way, shape, or form Jubal Early being part of Serenity. <laughs> if this thing if this thing didn't get canceled, I can't see them... That was a like, wacko. Yeah, I will see them like they changed him and like next episode, it's like, hey, guys, Guys, what you want for dinner? <laughs> you know, ship's cooked. Jubal early. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Hey, it's cool. I, I, I mean, it Jane's cool a character. douche, but he's not that douchey. He used, like to, be, he used to be a total, total asshole <laughs> at one time, but he's an asshole, not crazy. So. No, J- Jane is. Jane's a but. He's an asshole because of the almighty dollar. Yeah, this guy's just doing it because, like. Like River said, he yeah. gets a kick out of hurting people. Because he's sadistic. Yeah, yeah Jane Man. doesn't get a kick off of hurting people. He just wants to make cash oh, he... and work the least amount of money to make the most amount of money. <laughs> so. Well, early made for, you know, he made for a very interesting character, and he, he, he spearheaded this episode, which I like a lot. And Chris, take it away. So uh, just in closing, comments on the series as a whole. Don't watch it. <laughs> we just went through an hour and a half talking about every episode. Don't watch it, though. Much does like, it get the Soul Bro seal of approval? It does. The guarantee. Tw- it gets it twice over, man. It um, Much like many of the shows we talk about, it's a shame it got canceled early. But um, Neo um, said um, earlier before we started recording that it may be a blessing in disguise that it did because we probably wouldn't have got Serenity. Yeah, just think of Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've, o- I've only seen the first ser- season of Heroes. Yeah. And from what I've been told by everybody that's watched Heroes mm-hmm. afterwards, that's all I needed well, to see. I, I just Heroes, think- Heroes was a disaster after the first season. That's a yeah. totally different thing. So far, Joss Whedon has a very good track record. Right I've record. been watching his stuff for many years. So I he am. has to disappoint me. Yeah, I, I, under- I, think- I understand that, but what I'm saying is, yep. you know, it may not have worked out, and I think the, the series is I, just ahead of its time. That's there, probably why it didn't work out. There's enough creative energy behind this show where I think it could at least have three good seasons in it. At least. I mean, you have people like Ben Edlund working on the show, the guy who created The Tick, and um, also worked on Venture Brothers and whatnot. And, you know, you could got a really creative and, 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 and a, a cast that uh, was excited about the project and brought everything they, they could to the show. So, you know, there was an energy there that was positive and, you know, made yeah, every episode exciting. I mean, we just got to go by what we have i mean the whole what if thing it's just it's good and like i was joking at the beginning you should watch you should watch it if you like cowboy bebop and you like outlaw star and you like westerns and stuff like that in space with a future world with no girl that's not attractive then this is a show for you and it's short because you know you don't have to sit there and watch 
a million episodes. This isn't Legend of the Galactic Heroes where oh. you have to sit there and watch a million episodes. <laughs> but, you know, even though, um, you know, people complain about that, but yet they'll watch 400 episodes of something else. So, um, but, um, no, it's, it's good. And I imagine it looks very good on Blu-ray. I, I saw it on the streaming. And mm-hmm. it looked pretty good, but uh, I know Chris is well. The the Blu-ray is actually a little bit of a mixed bag because um, the film scenes with all of the people look great. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, um, special effects the special effects were all done in standard <laughs> definition because you know this was eight years ago. Yeah, and, you know HD broadcasts were not very widespread, and actually there was a story behind this that uh, in the that uh, Fox did not want to air the show in widescreen. Mm-hmm. And um, they didn't like that the pilot was in widescreen, and all the whole show's in widescreen. Yeah, but uh, Joss Whedon, just to screw them over. And if you watch this, you can see this. There are scenes uh, in the pilot where he specifically stations the actors. He positions them to be in the extreme edges yeah. of the widescreen <laughs> frame deliberately, so that you cannot cut it to full frame. Nice, because you would you would cut them out completely, and you'd have this scene with nobody in it. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I wish the show had gone on longer. It had the potential to, you know, be something that could have lasted, you know, easily, you know, maybe four or five years. And you know, I really hate that Fox screwed over this show. And it's sort of something that networks do a lot, in particular Fox. Yeah, it's you know, all these networks they have their network politics. You know, somebody approves something, and then that person is out, and then somebody else comes in. They don't like anything that that person before was doing, so mm-hmm. they, you know, engineer for it to go away. You know, Fox just seems like they wanted this show to fail from the start because, you know, they put on a time slot that at the very beginning got preempted by baseball. Yeah. (laughs) There were long gaps between um, episodes. They didn't really advertise it much. Right. They showed the pilot as the last episode. And even with just 14 episodes, there were three episodes they did not air before they canceled the show. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? You know, you have these factional politics inside studios happening all the time. That some people, you know, they're very heavily behind some show and others aren't. So, who knows what the story is behind Firefox? Firefox. Firefly. Uh, Firefly. <laughs> Where's Clint Eastwood at? Yeah. You know, say like, you know, I'm sure they would say their official reason is, oh, it didn't, it didn't do well in the ratings. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you did everything in your power to make sure that it wouldn't get ratings either through deliberation or through just, you know, incompetence and mismanagement. It you just, know, it failed because you never gave it a chance to succeed. And then exactly. you call it a failure. Which happens exactly. with a lot of TV shows. Well, it just sounds like it. It, it was probably, and I'm just speculating, but it, it almost sounds like, and this wouldn't surprise me if this was the reason. Like the person that green greenlit it, mm-hmm. like shortly after they greenlit it, left, like for another yeah, job, and you know, and and the then regime doesn't like it. Yeah, they're just like, what is this crap? Happens. We need more uh, American Idol and uh, whatever, you know. And so you think you can dance? Yeah, stuff like that. So. I I have a question for you, Chris. Um, do you see this show? Uh, Firefly as any way of, of, the way it's filmed or the way you know some episodes are written as any kind of predecessor to uh, uh, the revamp for Battlestar Galactica you know uh, go ahead well definitely uh, in some ways because some of the people who wrote for Firefly they came from Buffy and Angel and then later went on to work on Galactica yeah it's for some reason I, I feel a connection there, even though it's probably more subliminal than anything. But um, you know, I just there's some episodes of of uh, Galactica kind of have a, a Firefly feel. Not hey, Chris, as I got a question for you: Who would fight in a battle of captains, Captain Reynolds or, or uh, Admiral Adama? <laughs> well, if, if we're talking ship to ship, oh, and and you know what? They're allowed one striker, so you know, of course, uh, of course, it would be. Uh, 
the drunk baldy for Adama, drunk and then um, you know Amazon woman for uh, for, for Captain Reynolds. Striker. Um, if it's man to man, I think I'd, I'd give um, I'd give Mal the edge because Adama's an old bastard. Oh. Yeah, but old dudes, man, you can't count them out. Can't count them out. And this is Adama. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'd like to see it though. Maybe we can get it for pay per view. Oh man, who knows? I think uh, in the end though that Firefly was. A show that was just maybe even just maybe about three years ahead of its time. Yes. Three years too soon to be the kind of show that, you know, people would have watched because, you know, it predated shows like Heroes and Lost and, you know, sort of a general more mainstreaming of sci fi type shows because let's face it, America, sci fi still has a lot of stigma attached to it. That's you know what weird obsessive nerds watch and you know if it ain't Star Wars it's not cool. (laughs) But then, you know, shows like Lost and Heroes made it okay to watch things that have sci-fi or fantasy elements in it. Mm-hmm. And I know lots of people who do not like sci-fi at all, but they really dig Firefly and Serenity. And yeah. Firefly could have been one of those shows if it had shown up, say, after Lost. Yeah. Well, you're, or Heroes. You're so always, I think if that show had premiered, say, like right now, it would have done a lot better than it did eight years ago. Yeah, but that's hard to say, though, because you always need a trailblazer when it comes to something. And it's one of those things where Firefly was that, and probably because it had such a, a quick demise, and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the potential of uh, the kind of the cult following. And, and you know, you saw that. It, that's probably where um, shows like Heroes and, and Lost and all that probably were able to uh, be taken a little bit more seriously because of the sacrifice. Firefly did so. Yeah. I don't think I see it as a negative, but then I, I see that without it, there mi- things might have been different, and in, in some ways, so got to look at the positive. Well, and even with the demise of Firefly, we did get Trinity right. out of it, yeah. which will be our next segment. So if you guys don't have anything else to say, I think we'll just wrap it up for now. Good. You've been listening to Gundam at MHQ. We'll be right back. Damn! Good kick, Lee. It was an accident. That's okay. We'll just say you tried to catch a cab. This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN8 for 10% off any order not already discounted. Gun 9 for $5 off purchases that are $30 or more on any items not already discounted. Dot com domain names are as low as $7.49 if you use the code GUN10. And last but not least, code 20H1 for 20% off hosting plans. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the Sponsors and Special Offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. Here's to being dead. You're taking this extremely well. Taking what extremely well? That I'm here. I don't give a goddamn if you're dead or time traveling or the ghost of Christmas past. All I care about is this whiskey. So bottoms up. Get the hell out of my house.
This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. And welcome back, everyone, to the Heart of Gold episode of Gundam at MAHQ. And uh, just like we went through the Firefly series, the, the uh, segment before, uh, now we're going to explore the 2005 theatrical release of Serenity, which was um, a movie done this time by Universal. And... Um, it's kind of set somewhere after the, the the end of the series, and it's a couple of months, couple months or so, and we see most of we see it's back on the Firefly, and we see that there are some noticeable um, people absent, uh, mainly Shepard Book and Inara's gone, just like she did at the um, uh, at the begin, you know, at the end of the uh, of the series, and uh, we see that the Serenity crew is kind of in their same old thing, doing jobs for people, and uh, and what after trying to deliver payment to these really weird twin guys, uh, we see um, that River actually basically freaks the f out in this in this bar and just starts kind of beating the crap out of everybody and. Um, you know, of course, the alliance is going to get hot on their tail, and um, we see that the Serenity crew is kind of basically chased across the galaxy here, and they end up uh, going into this area where they find the true origin of the Reapers, those kind of weird human people that, um, kind of human cannibal people that were mentioned and briefly seen in, in the original uh television show and uh, we see that the whole thing is we got this uh, kind of crazy guy he must have been like the brother of uh, that uh, jubal early guy because he was he was as creepy as that guy and uh, he's kind of chasing him across the there. operative the, yeah, operative the operative yeah and along the way of course they're reunited with anara and shepherd book and they find the true origin of the reavers and of course why don't you spoil it for us well, it's it's only been five years, so I mean, come on. Um, no, no incentive for you to spoil since it's already been five years. No, <laughs> no, of course it's always incentive to spoil. So spoil away. And of course, we see that the alliance, big shock, was the reason for uh, for the uh, the creation of the Reavers uh, through some ex- medical experiments and stuff. And you know, they they go to this planet where a lot of these people kind of died laughing, but you know, there's like. What was it like something like eight percent of the population got really violent, and then they have well, they they put something into the atmosphere when they were terraforming the planet that was supposed to like um, suppress you know, their feelings, people. right? Yeah, yeah, and and like um, suppress their will to fight so that everyone would be peaceful. Yeah, and um, a lot of people became too peaceful and literally just died, you know, <laughs> sat there and rot away and died. Yeah, died with a smile on their anything. face. <laughs> but like I think they said, like one tenth of one percent had the opposite like reaction yeah. and mm-hmm. went completely insane and savage and that's how the reavers were created and of course they're trying to upload it to you know to you know with this being mal he likes to bring down the alliance and and of course (laughs) they are justified at this point and kind of ends up with a big firefight at the end um kind of the um the the final battle between the operative and mal and of course mal being the heart of gold criminally is actually lets the operative live and so he sees the truth and everything, and then uh, the end. So, and, and then the end of uh, this kind of universe in, in uh, either theaters or um, television. So I kind of just but went... But not in comics. Not in comics, no. But I just kind of briefly went through it. I mean, it's only... It's a little under two hours, so I didn't want to go through too much. But that's ba- basically the gist of the uh, of the movie, and um, you know, it, it definitely seems like it is a kind of a love letter, kind of a you know, hey, um, 
we were able to d- do something nice for all those people that supported the first show. And it, it's kind of funny because a couple of years ago I was dating a girl that never wasn't into sci-fi but always kept telling me about Serenity. And it's weird because I had more people that I've met in my life that don't know, that don't like sci-fi, but they love this movie for some reason. Yeah. A lot of people love this movie and I finally watched it and then, you know, of course I liked it and then I found out later about, you know, its origins with... Um, uh, you know, with Firefly, and it's it's a good standalone movie. I mean, like I said, I, I saw Serenity first, and I still enjoyed it. So it wasn't like I. It, it's one. It's one of these things where after seeing Firefly, it only kind of enhanced the thing because you kind of already knew the characters. But the characters are so likable and stuff, and um, you know, the, the the story's a pretty a pretty good story and flows pretty well. That even if you don't have any prior knowledge of this, it's it's not gonna really. Um, you know, down, you know, degrade your enjoyment of, of the movie. And, um, you know, of course, there is some sadness with a couple of the characters getting aced at the end, which, you know, how can you have drama without death? You know, it's true. So, why don't you spoil for us who that is? Uh, the Shepherd dies, Wash dies. Wash dies kind of punk wise, too. True. That was that, that, that was like, oh, we're safe. Oop, here comes the, uh, <laughs> the large, like, lance from the front Log. of the. Was it a log? It was a sharpened log. Yeah, okay, Jeez. sharpened log on the front of the reaver ship, and it's like, ooh. And then the shepherd, of course, getting shot, and, you know, so. But, uh, Chris, your thoughts on Serenity, the movie. Not the first episode of Firefly. We already talked about that. Worst movie ever. Oh, <laughs> Troll's back. Best movie of 2005 for sci-fi was Revenge of the Fifth. Oh, did that come out that year? <laughs> yes, it did. Oh, man. But not at the same time. But, uh, you know, for me, it was a big thing to see Serenity because I had seen, I had just finished watching Firefly and, you know, here it was back in this big budget movie and, um, well, not really big budget because it was only 40 million, which I say only 40 million, but realistically in Hollywood, that's, that's nothing for a Hollywood production these days. Right. But to see it on a big screen and, you know, to see everyone back in their characters slipping right into them as if they'd never left them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a really great, uh, it was a great thing. And the story, you know, of course, was since this is uh, Joss Whedon's uh, directorial debut. I mean, he directed episodes of Firefly and Angel and Buffy, but directing an episode of a TV show is obviously a very different beast from directing a feature film. Right. So this was, you know, he wrote the movie, and this was also his debut as um, a director. And of course, he's going to be directing the Avengers, his second film. But um, what I really like about the story was it's written in a way that uh, if you have no idea what the hell Firefly is, yeah. you can still fully enjoy the story and get it. But if you do know what Firefly is and you've seen the show, mm-hmm. it just works on a totally different level. And, it, and what's good about it too is it doesn't overtake. Um, it doesn't overtake and it doesn't degrade what Firefly was because sometimes when you have these years later sequels in a movie or whatever, sometimes it it might cheapen the experience or it might overshadow what the original show was i think it this one it just kind of goes hand in hand with it i don't you know to me it just seemed like you started off with a two-hour season premiere and you ended up with a you know this was their chance to do a two-hour uh series finale mm-hmm. and yeah, it really is sort of the swan song of the series yeah <laughs> but but it but it doesn't it doesn't take anything away from the series or it doesn't overshadow the series in any way so which I, th- I think is, you know, that, that's, that's kind of a nice thing to have because, you know, we always do kind of see that sometimes. Because as you were saying, Revenge of the Sith came out in 2005 and we saw how that really degraded from the original um, Star Wars trilogy. So, 
but I for me, some of the things that worked, um, you know, definitely they had a bigger budget to work with, as noticed in you know the opening scene. You know, they had uh, they had little, that cheap little buggy in the TV show that they called the Mule. Yeah. But the Mule that they have in this movie is this giant hovercraft. Yeah. You know, and they they had to reconstruct the ship from scratch. So it's actually not the same sets from from the TV show, and I would think that they wouldn't anyway because you know the. Um, the amount of detail that you see on TV does not compare to what you see on a big screen where sorts of like flaws and cheapness will become more apparent. So yeah, yeah. they had to redo all of that stuff. But um, the flow of the story is great. There's some great scenes. The, um, you know, that space battle where the Serenity comes out of that cloud and the operative's like, oh, look at these punks. Blow them away. And then this giant Reaver fleet comes out and both of these fleets just start going at it. Yeah, that was cool. And the Serenity's just spitting out of control as it's making planet fall. Yeah, that was right. really and, cool. That was probably one of just, my favorite parts. Yeah, that was just amazing. And you know, I said to myself as I was watching that, you know, in 2005, I said, this movie that was made for so much less, that one space scene was better than any of, like, the space scenes from any of the Star Wars prequels. Ooh. Yeah, because <laughs> Revenge of the Sith opens with that big space battle, and it's just a bunch of... Just a it's bunch like of nonsense. too much yeah. visual overload. There's just so much crap going on in that opening battle of Revenge of the Sith that you can't you can't process everything that's going on. Yeah, there's just too much crap going on. You can't pay attention to it, and it's distracting. And that one scene in Serenity works so much better because you never than lose anything sight in that of the trilogy never, in terms of specials. Yeah, you never lose sight of the Serenity through the whole battle. You just like you said, you see it doing the free fall and all that. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, also. You know, since I think Joss Whedon realized that this probably would be the last time that he's got these characters on screen, you know, he sort of wrapped up a lot of the storylines. You know, you finally had uh, River and Simon going at it. Yeah. No, not, I mean, Kaylee and... No, that would be Twincest. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a little um, weird. Kaylee and, Kaylee and Simon, you know, they finally consummate things, and, you know, after going through a life-threatening situation, they just they just get to it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you see Mal kind of risking himself for Inara and not quite coming out and saying what he wants to say, but kind of getting there. Yeah. Um, you know, you have, unfortunately, uh, Shepard Book getting killed, and we never quite find out what it is that his story is, although that will be the subject of an upcoming graphic novel. And um, you know, he does say some interesting things, because he talks to Mal about this operative, and he's saying, like, oh, this guy's going to attack you from the side where you're weak, and he's ruthless, and he's not going to stop until... You know, he gets you, and you know, Mal makes again one of these comments like, "Hey, you know, you sure know a lot about uh, Alliance military procedures for a for a preacher." And Book says, "You know, hey, I wasn't born a preacher." Yeah. So I would think, given all the past things he said, but given that he specifically knows way too much about how these operatives work, mm-hmm. um, the theory I have, and which is also the prevailing fan theory, is that Shepard Book was one of those operatives. Wow. Yeah, because uh, and that you know he. He got tired of the killing and doing all this wet work and, you know, hung up his jacket and then decided to go and become a preacher to, you know, atone for all of the dirty things that he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you can kind of see that because that's the thing that I got after watching Firefly and then seeing Serenity again is 
when that happened, that, that was the thing that I thought, because as you can see, the operative, you know, he's known as the operative. So these are just like faceless na or actually nameless people. So basically their past were probably just destroyed to become these operatives. So yeah, when he walked away, you know, there's no record of this. Right. And uh, yeah, that's what I thought too. And But you know, it, it doesn't bother me, even though you you didn't get that. There's it, enough still hints to know. There's enough hints that you can figure it out for yourself and be like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And it, it, and it wasn't something stupid. You know? It was a shame, though, that uh, Wash had to die, especially after his you know, moment of triumph that you know, the ship's spinning out of control in the atmosphere, and he manages to give them uh, a safe crash landing yep. when no one's hurt, and then he gets freaking impaled by uh, that river, you know, tree spear. Yeah, but that worked, Which, though, because if It you... did work, because it, said, it totally set Zoe off, and she just went totally psycho. Because most likely, he was going to die during the, the firefight, too, so... <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's more useless than Kaylee with with a gun. Aww. So, I mean, <laughs> hey, you know, when when she heard that uh, that Sexton with uh, with Simon was on the line there in that firefight, she oh, yeah. just psycho and started shooting everybody. Hey, yeah, <laughs> forget this. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, one of the highlights of the movie is um, the opera himself, uh, an English actor named uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. You got it. That was my first exposure to him, and probably for a lot of people in, in America. And mm -hmm. he's shown up in a lot of movies since then. He was in um, Inside Man, uh, Children of Men, American Gangster. 2012. But he's a really good actor, and um, you know, if you want to check out some, some movies where, indep independent movies where he sort of has the lead role, I definitely recommend a um, pretty recent movie called Red Belt, yeah. which is sort of like a martial arts noir movie, in a sense. Mm -hmm. It's not perfect, but he's very good at it. And uh, another movie called uh, Dirty Pretty Things. Mm -hmm. Definitely recommend those movies to anyone who might have seen him in this or in uh, any other movies because he really is a talented actor and hopefully he'll he'll go to bigger places in the future. And the interesting thing is, um, you know, most of the people in Firefly are are no name actors, and some have be, you know become big doing shows like Nathan Fillion. You know, he's got that show on ABC now, Castle. cast and. Um, you know, Universal, they wanted Joss Whedon to cast, like, a well-known person as the operative, but he refused, and he insisted he wanted this guy, and he got that guy, and I think that was the best choice, because sometimes when you have, like, these productions where it's a bunch of no-names, and they want to anchor that to a big person, the big person kind of, like, overshadows them. Yeah. yeah. Because the focus is like, oh, they got this, you know, big name. You know, if it was like, say, let's just say, if it was Denzel Washington as the oh. operative, you know, that would have been like stealing the thunder and stealing the limelight away from the rest of the cast, who yeah. is the real cast of the show, and he's just there because of his name. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're the real stars of the They're of the, the real stars. Yeah. So the spotlight was rightly on them, but he was also just really good in that role. And I think he just made that role as this sort of like totally ruthless guy who he knows that everything he does is wrong, but uh, he happily believes that doing it serves a higher purpose until he finally sees the truth of what it is that he's been trying to cover up. Mm -hmm. That whole and even of and two even eagles. that used to be too much for him. Soul bro, are you digging this? <laughs> I'm digging it. I'm digging it a lot. It, it. 
I I just recently watched Serenity and um like Chris um well uh, unlike Chris I had a chance to see it in 05 but I hadn't finished watching um all of Firefly when the movie came out in theaters so I ended up passing on it but uh, watching it just recently I, I'm I really am sorry I didn't get to see it in the theaters you know this is the treatment that these um these characters and and and, and this universe really did did deserve a a, a big screen treatment um uh, for Josh Whedon Josh Whedon's first director directorial debut in 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 cinema this is a really good effort because uh watching this movie it really takes advantage of the tapestry they established for um um for this universe in firefly and just brings it to a whole new level the intensity it's, it's even more intense than the tv show was in its most intense episodes um i like the fact that uh when mal when you first get reintroduced to mal he's very angsty he's very angry you know he's 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 more he's he's more harder edged than you we left him and I, of course you can see that because um yeah, the the person that he cares about is no longer on that ship so he kind of you know he's he's harboring uh, some kind of issues because she's gone um but you know at the same time you know you get reintroduced to these characters they seem slightly different but still um the same people that you that you um that you left behind in the TV show uh the storyline with uh with River and you know, learning more about her like you get to see a little bit of a prequel in the movie when you see when Simon breaks her out of the institution where they have her doing the experiments so you get to see how um how Simon even rescued her at the very beginning of the movie and that's just a very a very telling scene especially with his uh with his love for his sister and and how much he cares about her and how much he put on the line and um you know overall it's it's an it's a very engaging science fiction movie a lot of people say that it was ahead of its time when it came out um i have to say the same thing i I'd, I'd love to see more of this universe in the you know in 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 this format and i i really pray that it does get uh, a sequel or a follow up sometime in the future that, i'm guess, i'm guessing i'm guessing it's <laughs> those, not going those are to lost prayers why don't you uh, it's, 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 it's just me being it's just me being um internet petition being time me being so bro I, I, i'll well, start i'll start that position to put a petition tonight <laughs> like every other uh joss whedon series once it mm-hmm. dies and goes to heaven it comes back as a comic book hey. <laughs> So uh, there are comic books written by Joss Whedon. There's one mm-hmm. that um, is set in between the TV show and Cerny that kind of fills in some of the gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, in the last segment, there's, uh, there's a comic that's coming out that's all about uh, Shepard Book's past. Right. And um, it wouldn't surprise me if eventually, maybe they've already done it and I haven't checked, if they start doing post-Serenity comics because uh, Angel has a comic called After the Fall that picks yeah. up the story after Season 5 of Angel and Buffy has well-known uh, comics uh, Season 8 and Season 9 picking up where that show left off. Most definitely. The future of the future of Serenity and, and its crew is, is something that that haunts me to this day. I'd like to, I'd like to see more of that. Like the fact that... Uh, well, support your local end. comics Store, oh, I will, man. I, I went out and I, I bought comics. Just uh, don't, just don't buy, just don't buy Street Fighter comics. Um, okay. Uh, don't, <laughs> don't, don't waste all your money giving it to Udon. Uh, no doubt. Exactly. But um, no. I, one of the things I liked about the ending of this movie is uh, the way River, you know, fi- assumes uh, kind of assumes Wash's position. You know, you find out that she's even a more talented pilot than the captain. <laughs> Towards the end, you know, he, she becomes more of an integrated part of the crew, especially um in the one scene where she um her brother gets shot. Um, almost mortally and um, she steps up and takes on all those reavers all on her own and you know just comes into a person I think she um, she, you know she finally develops into a very capable person at that point in time no longer the troubled little girl that she was when um, during Firefly and and whatnot she just 
you know, becomes a total badass during that scene. And she becomes a dependable part of the crew to the point where, you know, people will probably start relying on her. So, you know, everybody comes a long way in this movie. I, I felt really bad when I saw Wash die. He went out like uh, Joe in uh, Gekiganger 3. <laughs> with the spike through the chest another anime death um i guess we won't be going to the beach together not at all miss no rico <laughs> yeah well if it was anime if it was anime death he would have just had you would have quite he would have sat there and talked uh you know five minutes <laughs> For five to minutes zoe, right to zoe with and, the blood and, and out of his mouth i guess it's more final destination if anything yeah it's <laughs> He and didn't, then, he didn't want to completely rip off anime while directing this and it broke my heart to see uh detective de- uh Detective Ron from uh, Barney Miller bite it too, man. It was um, Shepard Book dying, man. I, 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 one of the biggest regrets I, I, I have from this um series not continuing is the fact that they um that the mystery for his past is left intact. But as Chris said, they pretty much allude that's what to the it, are for. and that's what the comics are for. And they pretty much allude to it in this movie what he used to be. So I mean, you can you can connect the dots on your own. But um, I like the fact Sol- that Solbro at the comic store reading the uh, Serenity thing. <laughs> Where's where are you? Oh, forget you, man. <laughs> they're in like a they're in like a Chinese uh, mall here. Where's where are you? Oh, it, indeed, indeed. But yeah, it, it's an excellent movie. Whether you've seen the TV show or not, um, you should go out of your way to see this. I you have more of an appreciation for it though if you watch the TV show. You'll know the characters intricately by the time the movie starts, and you'll feel a lot more for them, especially with the deaths of certain characters when they happen. So. And for those who are wondering, uh, the comics are put out by Dark Horse, and mm-hmm. the graphic novel, one of them that. Uh, that takes place in between the, the show and the movie. It's called Serenity, Those Left Behind. Mm-hmm. It was a three-issue series. There's a couple of other um, short one-shot comics, and there was also the new comic that's about Shepard Book is called, and tell me if this isn't a, a clever, inventive title, The Shepherd's Tale. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a really cool title. That Damn. is funny. Well, it could be worse. It could be Shepherd's Pie. <laughs> Maybe that's the one about his wife. Ooh. Or his ladies. Horrible. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Okay. Any other thoughts, guys, on Serenity? No, man. Uh, Chris, on the MHQ scale, what would you give? And we didn't even do it for Firefly, so why don't you do it for Firefly and for Serenity on the old MHQ scale of uh, ratings there? Um, didn't mean to put you I on the would, spot. I would give Firefly as a whole a four or a four and a half. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I would give Serenity, uh, without a doubt, a five. What? Man, yes, Solbro, your, your rating is. Uh, I, I gotta give it. I gotta give it. Um, just like well, actually, um, I'm are these Chris. are these as good as season two of Double O? Hey, hang on, hang on. I gotta give this an unprecedented three Solbro guarantees. There you go. Cue the uh, cue for the applause one? for, for which one for Serenity. Um, what about Firefly? I already said it in Firefly. I'd give it two Solbro guarantees, man. Okay, two. There you go. You're I, welcome. I pretty much agree with Chris. I I, I would say Firefly as a whole. Maybe a four, maybe a four and a quarter. Um, Serenity. I mean, I'd say when I when I watched it without knowing what it was, I would say a four and a half. But then once I knew the you know the backstory, I would say a five. Hell yeah! I, it, it's amazing to me. Like I said earlier, that you have something that doesn't overshadow the uh, the original show, and it really just kind of bookends it, and um, you know really just is you know has a nice conclusion. And yeah, of course you want more, but you know what what show or what good piece of um move you know good piece of art or something that you always don't want more when when you're after you're done reading it or watching it or whatever so but um uh chris one last thing we forgot to do in um in the first one the soul bros men 
because oh boy. I would say we'd have to do Soul Bros Men for Firefly and Soul Bros Men for Serenity. Okay, so since we're on Serenity, might as well do that first. Um, All right. I would say uh, Soul Bros Man would have to be Mr. Universe. <laughs> I... <laughs> I, I, I was there, but the Sobros man to me was actually Sobros men were the twins. Those two annoying twins in the in the thing. They were barely in the movie. <laughs> but they were still annoying, though. I, I guess. <laughs> but uh, Sobro, who do you self-nominate as your man? Yeah, who, who was the guy that you felt akin to in this movie? Oh, uh, wow. Was it Mr. Universe? No, I mean, I've always felt akin to, out of all the characters in both shows i always felt more akin to watch and we're talking about serenity characters uh, serenity characters serenity characters well in serenity um i, I really watched because he died heroically well i mean i'm just saying i so, mean out of all the characters he was like you know he was but see Solaro's men can't die heroically in well, something um it's happened <laughs> but it's remember yeah he also had a jewish wedding with a sex bot oh that's pretty pathetic man i I, yeah. I got no business with um with mr universe but uh i i i really can't name too many people in serenity that would be my boy so um i i i can't say i mean other than the re- the 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 regular cast I, that's all i can say the principal cast i should say but um who would you say neo oh in in the serenity oh, you already, you already said, said those it. twin guys those twin guys and firefly mm-hmm. um i don't know that I, I do kind of agree that the guy in the first episode is pretty pathetic. The the agent following uh, Simon and River. Um, the I, I thought up until the point that he manned up the guy that was the mark when they were trying to steal the gun. That guy seemed like a Solbros man up until he Did you he? know uh, saw through everything and how much of a deceiving bitch that girl was. <laughs> so I, I'd probably have to say it, it was probably that guy. At the um, it, it, you know that agent at the beginning, because a lot of the other guys they they either kind of redeemed themselves in the end, they couldn't completely do the complete change to Soul Bros, man. Chris, well, since I was the one who said it first, uh, definitely the uh, little punk ass agent from the pilot who uh, <laughs> you know panics and and shoots innocent girls for no reason. Yeah, yeah, and it's just. A failure at being intimidating or effective or pretty much anything. He's effective at being a failure. Total awesome. And that's what makes him a Solbro man. Very, very, very low standards in the recruiting drive that year for the Alliance. You, I, I love have to say. I love how y'all take a, a you know the character you know the, the concept of, of a character I like and just completely pervert it. <laughs> hey, hey, we didn't do anything. <laughs> hey, I'm You're the one who started up all this King Arthur nonsense. Hey, yeah, man, I did. I did. I did. So we're just you know. And look at us aiming if, if high. You, if, you ever, if there's anybody you have to blame, go into the bathroom and look in the mirror. Oh, no doubt. For that. <laughs> so any other comments on Serenity or Firefly as a whole before we close up on this? Great series, great movie. I would recommend anyone, if you have a Blu-ray player, get the Serenity Blu-ray because... Um, yeah, it looks awesome. It's got a lot of nice features on it. It's got like a little um, Alliance database that gives you like a little bit of information on all of the planets that they went to in the movie and in the TV show. Like little dossiers on all the characters. Um, there's some great deleted scenes, including um, an extra scene with uh, Shepard Book where he's talking to Mal. So it's nice to see him have some more screen time since he had the least screen time of the cast in that movie. Yeah. yeah. And um, there's a nice feature that they made just for the Blu-ray where it's um, this roundtable thing where Joss Whedon, Nathan Fillion, Alan Tudyk, and Ron Glass are just sitting around having lunch, talking about the show. Awesome. And the movie, and some of their favorite moments. And, uh, you know, they're just joking around and 
you know, eating and having a good time. And what's really interesting about this is you see that with these characters, that these actors play, that they really like these characters. Because sometimes, you know, some people play a character that they get associated with in cult fandom, and they try their hardest to run away from that character because they don't want to be typecast. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, just hearing the things that Nathan Fillion says, and even seeing the stuff that he writes on Twitter, you can tell that he really liked playing that role of of Malcolm Reynolds, and, you know, that uh, he's aware that a lot of people were introduced to him because of that role. Most definitely. he doesn't shy away from it. There was an homage uh, to his character on uh, Firefly on Castle. In the Halloween episode, yeah. he um he dressed up as um in his as Halloween costume. He was a brown yeah. coat. Yeah, that was really cool. Well, you can. And I mean, just kind of my last thing is, you can see on this is one of the few shows where you can see that the people actually did like each other, like outside oh, yeah. of the production. Like they may not have been like the bestest of friends, but you know they could definitely relate. And you can see that when in all their scenes, um, you know, it just doesn't look like it's kind of put up or you know acting you know there was actually you know some some good camaraderie there a lot of chemistry there too in that cast it's it's a shame it didn't it hasn't continued on but oh well so that so concludes our uh reviews of firefly and serenity and uh, we'll be back in a little bit you're listening to gundam at mahq Marcellus Wallace looks like. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. Whatever you do, don't let the reactor temp get too. You mean like this? We are so screwed. With our luck, I'm really not surprised we're stuck defending the entire city again. Quit being such a whiny bitch, Asuma! One nine hundred Artesia, your call is very important to us, so Amaro, how did you get this number? He also didn't use protection when we were riding, and then he just pulled out without letting me finish. Then he threw some money at me and drove away, and then he What? Maybe it's something psychological, you know? I'm sure a lot of guys cry for their mommy once in a while. Who touch me? Put on your lying pants, Asuma. We're gonna go frame God. Yar, the old girl the is tight as her captain. You know, I'm beginning to not care anymore. Remember that thing that keeps us in the air and not on the ground? You mean the drive system? Yeah, it escaped. Into the mountains. God damn it! I hope it finds a good home. Watch Gundam Ren Studios Mobile Suit Gundam Abridged, now with 33% more awkward! Check it out at www.youtube.com slash Studios. Let us do no such Gundam thing! Welcome back to Goram at MAHQ. I mean, Gundam at MAHQ. <laughs> <laughs> this is our, our our love letter to Josh Whedon and his um his space universe that um, was introduced to us in the television series of Firefly, which aired in uh, 2002. Uh, this is, of course, episode 58, where we waxed about that in the first segment. And then in the second segment, we talked about its follow-up movie that came out in 2005, Serenity. Um... Before we close this episode out, any last words, gentlemen? Uh, I would just give a little <laughs> brief note. If people mm-hmm. visit the Gundam blog, a few days ago I posted a review of uh, the Persona Trinity Soul anime series. Mm-hmm. I saw that. that um, interesting stuff. Good series worth checking out. And uh, thanks to NIS America for providing a review copy of the very nice premium edition, which definitely lives up to the premium part of the title. 
right on, dude. It was a very good review. I read it while I was on vacation, and um, it makes me want to get it. It makes me want to go out and get it. <laughs> but um, any 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 other things? Does it have a dub in it? I didn't read it. I saw it. Uh, no, it's uh, it's sub only. Oh, then it's not a new experience for me. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not a new experience. Sweet. But um, <laughs> before we go, um, check out these websites. Of course, always visit mahq.net, the uh, Mecha and Anime headquarters, the, the, the revamped and going through um, revamping Mecha and Anime headquarters, all new. And, um, of course, you can check out liner notes and la- the latest episodes of Gundam at gundam.net. Um, also, mechatalk.net is the official forums for mahq.net, and um, you'll find the official forums for Gundam there as well. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, Spill, and many other places online, and the links for those at Gundam.net. Um, you can also find MAHQ on Twitter at twitter.com slash M-A-H-Q-D-O-T-N-E-T. And last but not least, you can reach us by email by going to, uh, by sending us email to uh, Gundam, M-A-H-Q, at gmail.com. And um, any anything else come to mind, gentlemen, before we wrap it up? That's no. it. That's oh, it. Well, doggone. All right. This was episode 58 of Gundam at MAHQ, and we'll see you guys next time. I thought we were going to be reasonable about this. Reason. He's going to talk to us about reason now. <laughs> yeah, that's a joke. Which one you figure attract us? The ugly one, sir. Could you be more specific? Do we look reasonable to you? Well, looks can be deceiving. Not as deceiving as a low-down, dirty deceiver. <laughs> well said. Wasn't that well said, Zoe? Had a kind of poetry to it, sir. You want I should shoot him now, Marco? Wait till they tell us where to put the stuff. That's a good idea. Good idea. Tell us where the stuff's at so I can shoot you. Point of interest? Offering to shoot us might not work so well as an incentive as you might imagine. Anyway, we've hidden it. So, you kill us, you'll never find it. Found you easy enough. Yeah, you did, didn't you? How much they paying you? Huh? I mean, let's say you did kill us. Or didn't. It could be torture. Whatever. But somehow, you found the goods. What would your cut be? Seven percent, straight off the top. Seven? Huh. What? Hmm? Nothing. Not a thing. No, I just... Does that seem low to you? It does, sir. I ain't low. Stop it. 7% standard. Okay. Zoe, I'm paying you too much. Why? What does she get? Knock it off. No, forget I said anything. I'm sure you're treated very well. You get the perks, got your own room. No? You share a bunk. That one. Really? Hey, this ain't funny. <sighs> yeah, I ain't laughing. You move on over to this side. We'll not only show you where the stuff's at, we'll see to you get your fair share. Not no sad seven. Private room? Jane! Your own room, full one of the kitchen, whole shot. Jane, I ain't asking. Shut up. A bigger room. She's Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in the MHQ production. I'm a fan of all seven. Right now, 
I'm gonna have to go with Wrath. <laughs>